Welcome back to Factory Sealed. It is December 20th, 2020. My name is Eric Peters. And joining me today, Mr. Dan Curtis. Rally hoo hoo Hello. Oh, I get it because it's, yeah, it's a Christmas, Christmas show. <laughs> you got the boiled het owl. <laughs> it's got, he's got a little festive Christmas bow on with a little hat. We got Mr. Mike Tyson. Just two seconds. Just need to take a bite of my sandwich again. Oh, fuck. Someone's put some Jill in here. Hazel, I ordered this without Jill. <laughs> Fuck's sake, she never gets it right. Hi, That's guys. why he's got a sandwich. I did wonder. <laughs> <laughs> you need the real props, guys, for the real jokes. <laughs> Plus you get to eat a sandwich, which is mm. a perk. It's true. Well, I was going to have one grilled cheese, and I was making it. I was like, well, I'm going to eat that before the show. And Hazel was like, why are you making two? I was like, well, I need one for a joke. And she was like, okay, I'm not even going to question this anymore. <laughs> I was just imagining there that Hazel was just shouting back upstairs like, what the fuck are you on about? <laughs> we haven't got any She's, Jill this week. She, she doesn't even question the shit I do for this anymore. Like, the other day when I sent, I sent that video with the jive crustaceans, <laughs> I, just, I just set the iPad up. Like, we were both sat on the sofa, and I just set the iPad up and just recorded it and then just carried on doing whatever I was doing. <laughs> she just kind of looked at me like, all right. <laughs> Standard. For context, uh, Tom got finally got a PlayStation 5, and he sent us a video of him in his car, and he just points out, this hair is PlayStation 5. And then I took all of my PlayStations and stacked them up and went, this here, this is five PlayStations. Oh, that's why Mike, you did that. I did wonder. I didn't see Tom's video. <laughs> Makes more oh. sense now. <laughs> so just out of the blue, you're like, what the fuck's wrong with this guy? I just, I just assumed it was just you being you. <laughs> <laughs> and then, not wrong and then so i got, i got a video of some uh, dancing lobsters up on my ipad and put them behind me and just like see this here jive crustaceans <laughs> i was really hoping it would have taken off more i was hoping dan would have jumped in yeah, but well, apparently he missed the joke what i hope you don't mind I am actually, even though it is a prop i am gonna finish this sandwich i'll try to chew away from the microphone <laughs> oh kind what does Okay, can you explain the joke? Because it, I might have missed it. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Daniel, isn't this the guy who's been arguing all week? Oh, I completed the original. I know the original. <laughs> I didn't say I know it. I said mm. I've beaten it. Come on, you know the Jill sandwich. Eric, as a man of over thirty year old, you don't know the Jill sandwich reference in Resident Evil. You call yourself a gamer, fucking fake gamer. I haven't even, even on played fucking... the bastard before, and I know it. <laughs> Go on, Jill sandwich. You were almost a Jill sandwich. Uh it sounds vaguely familiar, but yes, Not about okay. vaguely familiar. Um, basically, Jill <laughs> nearly gets sandwiched between some walls and ceiling and shit, and then the other dude Barry goes. Oh, Oh, excuse me for forgive, forgetting because I played through as the best person this time around. So sorry. It's also he's also the, the famous blood. I hope it's not Chris's blood. <laughs> ah, voice acting back in the now day. Now that I'm looking at the memes, I remember no, it. You yes, don't. I'm sorry. Fucking yes, millennial, do. don't know anything without your memes. Why don't you go have some fucking avocado toast? <laughs> I'm joking, by the way. I'm a millennial, toast. so <laughs> I don't really hold those views. <laughs> I spend all my money on avocado toast. What can I say? 
Anyone else who had no clue what the hell Mike was talking about, you are welcome. Because I'm sure half the people were also wondering. And anyone else who uh, thinks I'm the greatest, you can let me know as well. Not you, Gamer Grandpa. Mm. <laughs> oh, speaking come of... Come back! Hashtag, oh, speaking come of, back! Come back, Gamer Grandpa. <laughs> speaking of people that know me, um, I want to give a little shout out, and I, I don't know who it's to. Um, one of the other drivers at my work the other day came up to me and went, oh, you're famous, you are. I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, I went up to this place. There's a place called Newton Acliffe, which is about 100 miles north of Sheffield. And he goes, oh, I was up at this place at Newton Acliffe. And uh, I was chatting to this. That's near me, that is. It is, yeah. And I was, he was Nowhere near me. He was chatting to the lady behind the counter to sort his paperwork and stuff out. And apparently she had some famous name or something. And um, he said, oh, it's too bad you haven't got our other driver here, Mike Tyson. And apparently some other guy who was working there said, Mike Tyson, does he, has he got like long hair and a beard and stuff? And whoever you are, you mentioned that like you listen to the podcast. Um, thank you very much for mentioning it because like when he came and told me it that day, that put a little smile on my face. See, so I thought you were going to say about the boxer. Was it your dad? No, but uh, yeah, whoever that was, oh. thank you very much for piping it up to that driver because yeah, it really made me feel happy that day. Fame at last, guys. Fame at last. That's one person. Yes. Yeah, but whoever you are, yeah, <laughs> let yourself be known. Thank you. It's still like I always reference this, but when we were all in Arizona and we did that meet up with the fans and stuff, that was still so surreal to me because we are just basically four basement dwellers talking shit. Couple of mouth in the microphones, eating a grilled cheese. It was very nice. It was very nice, though. I enjoyed it. Yeah, there was that weird fan, wasn't there? Zach or something. I think his name was. Yeah, oh, yeah. Zach just flew into town uninvited. <laughs> I'm sure, I saw, I'm sure I saw some wanted posters with his face on, you know. Mm. I mean, he showed up when I went to visit Chad and like he started kicking piss in people's eyes. Like, the, dude, you just got to be careful you know, with him. Do you know something I've just thought about? So, obviously, I've got bladder issues anyway, but I didn't really have any bladder issues on that holiday until I got in Zach's car. Now, Zach seems to be very synonymous with urine. I think being in his car is what caused me to him to have to pull over and me just pissed down the side of it. <laughs> <laughs> Gives off just this, it's like his pheromones, except in reverse. His urine moans. I'm pretty sure, actually, when you had a bad bladder attack when we were in Arizona the first time, you were in the car with Zach then. No, that's what I'm on about. I didn't see Zach oh. the second time. All oh, right, Of course. Yeah, it was after we just, just after we'd been for um, lunch when we had that meetup. It wasn't the several like beers I had, for sure. Oh, just before, we, yeah, just before we went back and had the uh, special pot of chili that Dan didn't eat. <laughs> I wasn't hungry. You gave me a big dinner. <laughs> Halfway through the drive, they were like, oh, fuck, we forgot to turn the heat down on Dan's chili. Better go back and turn it off and be late to our meetup so Dan can have his onionless chili. I was so happy that we actually made it for you and you got home and went, not hungry. <laughs> There's been onions in, this, help been not onions in this kitchen. Hold up, wait, wait, Man, wait, wait, wait. I was backed up for days. I couldn't fit anything else in there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just thought, although not completely urine-based, Zach was there when Dan's toilet incident happened. Maybe it's just toilet incidents. <laughs> Zach has an affinity for all things poop and pee-related. This, this is his reputation. <laughs> Some people go down for saving the world. Other people. Zach Foley, known for spending money, causing people to eject bodily fluids out of orifices. <laughs> and blind small children. Yes. <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. Oh, Where's dear, our oh, rags dear. today, anyway? 
Who knows? According to him, he was going to be on the show. But he is not here. I imagine he has gone for some form of dairy product. Yogurt. 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 How's that sandwich, Mike? Fucking delicious. Can you hear me chewing? Yeah, you got a little bit of Jill in your teeth. Good. <laughs> I hope that's not Chris's Jill. <laughs> oh, that's right. Combining the references there, people. There you go. It's all interlocking. It's all a big. It's Top all a big flat circle. Quality podcast right here. I didn't catch a word you said, Daniel. I said it's all a big flat circle. No, exactly. Like time. Time is a flat circle. What, what did I say? It's a square rectangle. Octag- I don't know. <laughs> square, square octagon shape yeah. that doesn't exist. How do you know? Have you been to all parts of the universe? Yes, I have. Um, so what I think we need to talk about while he isn't here is Tom got a PS5, then proceeded to not bother playing on said PS5. <laughs> no, let's t- let's back this up even further. Back let's back up. this up even further. First of all, Mike dupes all of us gloriously i might add into believing that Busted. he got a free ps5 yeah, yeah, yeah. we were, were discuss this on the show then i get a ps5 and don't get charged for it thinking i'm going to get a free ps5 and then i get charged and have to reevaluate my bank account because it's a fraud charge but in the end i still had to pay for my ps5 tom can't get a ps5 for weeks we try to help him out all of us try to get one for him. He finally ends up securing one and then returns it. Because the day after he secures it, one of his friends wins a PS5 and gives it to him. For the record, I wasn't the friend. And then, as Dan mentioned, Tom goes on to not play it. <laughs> Lunatic. God. He switched it on. He started his save transfers. You know, priorities. Well, and then he played Resident Evil 3 on it. Which isn't even the right Resident Evil for the show. <laughs> this guy. Caused me physical We need to pain. have him evaluated. But to be fair, we did peer pressure him into putting his out of office on at work so he could play Astro for a little bit. And then he went, oh yeah, you're all right. <laughs> this game is the tip of every nipple ever. It really is, though. Mm. So it wonderful. Really is. Yeah. So this is the first show I've been on since I've had my PS5. All right. And well, we're not really interested in what you've got to say, mate. So we'll just breeze yeah, past. Yeah, we've that. already talked all about it. So oh, if we can yeah, just right. move on, tell us about the Series X <laughs> and right. how awful it is. All right. See you guys. See you later. <laughs> Leave the call. <laughs> yes. Boy, that was easy. Yes. That's all we've had to do for the past three and a half years. <laughs> Jesus, how long it's been? Fuck me. Oh That's God. it. Well, yeah. The only way. I re- yeah, the only way I remember is you got married in 17. Did I? Oh, yeah. Food I'm joking. Hell, I, do, I do know man. what year I got married. I'm joking. <laughs> Go on, Mike. Tell us what you think. Oh, oh, yeah. I am in love with it. I want to get the bad out of the way first because I feel like this show has generally been quite positive. And funnily enough, I'm normally the positive one on the show. The one thing I want to get out of the way, that OS is one of the most fucking unstable things I've ever dealt with. The amount Dude, of fucking I had three crashes, crashes I've had. yesterday. And that's without me buying Cyberpunk. I've had none oh, whatsoever. God. Yesterday I was playing Warzone. And and I played as soon 160 as I died, hours my... yesterday. 
my system locked up and it, I physically had to reboot it and then it just wouldn't reboot. Um, I had to go and physically turn it on. It just went through this whole crash process. But yeah, it happens to me probably every few days. I had a, quite a few occasions where when you first start the game, you get like the game splash screen. Like on mm-hmm. Demon's Souls, obviously it shows the big, the big image. Uh, it just frees there. I've had that quite a few times. Um, I also had, this might be a, might be a problem with the actual game rather than the PlayStation itself. But I one point where I started up uh, went on a save of Miles Morales, and um, not on my get my gadget wheel. So on the original Spider Man, you had your eight gadget wheel, didn't you? This one's only got four. There was nothing on my gadget wheel, and I couldn't use any of my abilities. And the only thing I could do was go back to an earlier save. I think that's probably the game itself. But yeah, no, the the OS, yeah, needs a needs a little bit of sorting out. It is a little bit unstable. But um other than that, yeah, that thing's fucking amazing. Um uh, before you get started, mate, I've got I've so I've been playing a bit of a lot of Assassin's Creed Valhalla this week. And since they they've updated to include a Yuletide festival in your settlement, but for some reason every single time when I load it up now, Eivor is absolutely pissed off her off her tits. And it remains drunk for about 30 seconds every time you boot it up. It's so weird. Oh, that's pretty cool. Hopefully she'll be able to make Nug. Um, but yeah, no, going back to the positives, though, I want to start with the controller, yeah. Um, I don't... It, it, I'm not saying you're wrong, Eric. Obviously, it's all a matter of opinion. I don't understand your hatred of the buttons. I think the buttons are absolutely fine. I know you say you find them I don't spongy. hate them. They're just when you compare them directly side by side with the PS4 buttons, the PS4 buttons are infinitely superior, at least the face buttons. The, the face buttons on the PS5, they just have this spongy, non-like, really responsive feel to them. Where, like, I'm, I know I'm, I'm pressing cut. this it and it's making... Me, like. mm. well, I'm not saying it bothers me. It's just it's I can tell a difference you, and you I don't like it. You enough to bring it up on several occasions? <laughs> okay. No, I'm only joking. It, give no, it a no, year and you'll forget that DualShock 4 exists. Yeah, that's true. Oh, I don't know. But no, I, 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 I definitely... I, I love that controller. I, I think it's... Head and shoulders above the um, the the, the one gripe form. that I do have about it now after having it for a month is white was a terrible fucking choice. I am cleaning the back of that constantly. Well, stop eating Cheetos, you lunatic! No, my kids my kids play it quite a bit, but I'm very fastidious with them. Like, wash your hands before you play, and even still, if you look on I the like back COVID of the controller, down. Jesus, it is gross well i so i'm gonna look at getting some silicone covers that you can put over them because i don't want that to just become permanently brown i've already told hazel when we eventually have kids and they're old enough to play consoles they're having their own fucking controllers they're not touching mine (laughs) (laughs) but um no but the thing is i had the white ps4 the white ps4 pro and i don't know i never really had any problems with the controls getting dirty i mean but the ps4 controller wasn't it wasn't texturized like the PlayStation 5 one is, though. Like, the, the dirt and grime and shit gets... If you look on the back of it, it's all square, circle, triangle, X texture. Have you looked at that really closely? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen it. Yeah. So, like, the dirt and shit gets all inside there. Interesting. If I'm honest, I haven't looked. I, I need to take a look. Maybe mine's absolutely filthy. I'm not sure. Um, but, no, I absolutely adore the controller. Obviously, you guys have already hopped on about Astro's Playroom and just how absolutely phenomenal that is. And I think... I don't, I don't, I'm not going to delve into and repeat things that you guys said, but I just think the actual celebration of PlayStation that, that is is absolutely amazing. And I think Tom in WhatsApp made a good point yesterday that PlayStation now, you know, it, it sounds silly to say because we're on the fifth console, but when you think of you think of your childhood memories of video game consoles, most people go, you know, NES, SNES, Mega Drive, stuff like that. You know, there is an actual history to PlayStation now. And, oh, yeah. you know, there is a plenty of memories 
with that and i think for me yeah i probably have more memories of playstation than i do with my mega drive even though my well, mega drive mega drive was my first console really well astro really snapped all that into focus too because you can sit down and you can think of a good majority of playstation ips but going through that game like oh yeah this game and oh yeah mm-hmm. that one like just ones that have kind of slipped your memory and you re- you look at this and you're like jesus christ they have a lot of games yeah and, and like these are exclusives and tom made a good point alongside that last night he said that you know I that is one thing that xbox is definitely missing other than games obviously um but the you know you you don't look back at xbox and think of like things that are definitely the xbox brand there are big things like halo for example and you could argue that a lot of the elder scrolls games are kind of synonymous with xbox but I don't think you could put, and further to Tom's point, I don't think you could put a game together like this and say, these are the franchises of Xbox and these are the memories you have. And I think yeah, that's... Yeah, and still have that same impact. It's just an entire yeah. level called, have you seen Halo? <laughs> <laughs> um, I know you touched slightly on Miles Morales, but yeah, I, so <laughs> I had two days off work before when I got my PS5. I platinumed Astro on the first day within a few hours. And then I 100%ed Miles Morales by the end of the second day, I think it was. All I didn't right, Dan, I plat- calm down. <laughs> I've platinumed it now, but um, I just 100%ed it at the time. Um, what an absolutely phenomenal game. Um, I'm, spoilers, I'm sure it will be on my Game of the Year list at some point, but um, I think for me, this was the perfect game at the perfect time because one, it's a comic book game, which generally have quite a positive attitude anyway, but I don't know, like the... For me, a lot of the themes and everything of it, I mean, I was listening to the creative director of it and he was talking about how the main theme is sort of family and stuff like that. And I played it and I, I saw that, but I personally kind of took a, um, more of a people trying to find their place in the world. You know, Miles trying to be, find his place in the world as the second Spider-Man in the city. And he's also moved to Harlem, which isn't a spoiler. That's very the beginning of the game. You know, he's trying to find his place there and, you know, where some of the characters from the comic books are lying with the events of the previous game and stuff like that and trying to find their place in the world and fitting in with Miles' family and stuff like that. And I think in a world where at the moment we're all trying to find figure out a place in terms of what we're doing with everything that's going on, I think it was really just an interesting game to play at the time. And it, it has such some really poignant moments as well. And it's really, really heartfelt as well. Like there's there's even like a like a Christmas dinner scene. And you know me, I don't like Christmas, but like, you know, there's a scene where like there's no family around around the table and everything like that. And it was just really, really just I don't know. It made you feel kind of wholesome in places. And I fell in love with Miles Morales from watching the Spider-Verse film. And I've started reading his comic books from the start. And I'm really starting to enjoy that character a lot and seeing this carnation of him as well. Incarnation of him, sorry. As well, like, I think it really fits into what Insomniac are doing with the universe. But one yeah, of them... It, it's it's interesting, though, because you say, obviously, Miles Morales is just... He's basically another Spider-Man. And you think, from an outside perspective, I was kind of like... Do you really need another Spider-Man? <laughs> but he's like, he's, it's well, after playing the game, you realise how different he is with his backstory and the different characters that he interacts with and stuff. It's just pretty cool. Well, I think speaking one, of Spider-Man, did you see that the remastered Spider-Man is now available to purchase standalone on the PlayStation? Yeah, great, store? buy it, buy it. The um, um, but the um, other thing going back to Miles, dollars? I'm trying to find that right now. Going back to Miles Morales, you know he is a different person to Peter and. You know, one of the big things that's synonymous with him is music. Um, now, when I watch Spider-Verse, they, it's, it's intertwined with that as well. Now, I personally don't really enjoy hip-hop or rap. 
um, but given the right context, I can enjoy it more. And when I watched the Spider-Verse films, uh, that soundtrack was predominantly hip-hop and rap and everything like that, and I enjoyed it within the context of the film. Now, Peter has his uh, photography. Miles has his music, like listening to it, and he also creates music through samples and stuff like that, and that is integrated into the game a lot as well. Like, um, the main theme is kind of given these kind of hip-hop beats over it as you're going through the city. It's less classical and more uh, beat-emphasized, and there's even very vague spoilers there's even a quest that involves like music sampling and stuff and that integration of it to really make him feel like a completely different spider-man really helped as well and then just his animations and his moves and everything like i think they did a really really fucking awesome job as short as the campaign itself is but yeah, they did they yeah, did Miles in particular because his um if you notice when he's doing his web swinging he's not quite as slick as peter was he has a yeah. lot of kind of like trips and slips when he's doing it and stuff which is super cool yeah, and one of the other big things that I got from it, especially from the very beginning, it almost has a Metal Gear Solid 2 effect on this version of Peter Parker. So on Metal Gear Solid 2, obviously you play as Raiden, and Snake suddenly gets this huge, because you're not playing as him, he gets this huge, like, legend, even more legendary, like, mythos around him. And I think playing as Miles and viewing Peter from the sidelines rather than controlling him, you get, like, this whole new appreciation for him for how good and how funny he is as well like if you play that game and you normally play without subtitles play the opening sequence with subtitles on because there's a the very first battle you're playing as miles and peter's whipping around and doing stuff with the bad guys and the stuff that he says is absolutely hilarious and you can miss it without the subtitles dan it'll cost you 40 bucks Mm, maybe one to wait for i think (laughs) but going back to those spider-mans the other thing as well when they first released uh miles and spidey remastered it had two um two modes there was the uh performance mode which obviously 60 frames per second it wasn't 4k um and it had no ray tracing and then there was the mode that i originally played it on um which was a cinematic mode or fidelity mode it might be called which is 4k ray tracing but only 30 frames per second they've now gone in and patched into both games a performance ray tracing version which is runs around 1080p uh, has ray tracing and has 60 frames per second. And I played through Miles again with that and I've been playing a bit of Spider Remastered with that mode on. That is the best mode. I am a full... Conv- I know I know, PC gamers are going to go, oh, welcome to PC gaming. Uh, but honestly, I've, I've made the transition to the 60 frames. I can't play on 30 frames anymore. I was the same because I played through the first playthrough I did of Miles, I did on the 60 FPS mode. And as cool as ray tracing is... The silky smooth 60 FPS web swinging and stuff is just awesome. Yeah. And to have that extra mode now as well is just the cherry on top, really, isn't it? Honestly, like, I think every game needs this now. Like, if you can give me a 1080p mode with the ray tracing, because I love love ray tracing. Um, Give me 1080p with ray tracing and 60 frames per second, I'll be happy. Like, you know, I'm not too fussed about the 4K now. I mean, even yeah. if it just gets to 1440p, and I've, I, Zach's probably listening to this going, I told you, I told you. <laughs> I shut up, Zach. You'll make people piss if you talk to them too much. Um, <laughs> but no, I've been I, chatting I was, to Zach about I was going to say, bit, I saw a trailer for the Control Ultimate Edition, which has like a kind of ray tracing mode and the 60 FPS mode. So they started off without the ray tracing on, and uh, Jesse Faden, the character, stands in front of like a window, and then they turn on the ray tracing mode and instantly it has the entire thing reflected. I was like, that's so cool, man. You just yeah, don't well, realise how lacking in reflections games have been. 
Yeah, well, the, the simple thing of that metal red spider that's on the back of Mars's suit, when you're going through areas, everything is reflecting, even just off of that, um, when you've got the ray tracing on. That includes in the performance ray tracing mode, and it, it just looks fantastic. I, I do really love ray tracing. I think it makes such a difference. Um, but yeah, I, I, like, I've, I've started playing uh, Star Wars Have I Fallen Over um, on performance mode now, which obviously that game doesn't have ray tracing or anything like that, but I'm playing that on performance mode, and I went over to the 4K mode, and man, it, it just makes me feel ill now. It really does. Well, same thing with Demon Souls too. And you can talk a little bit about that in a second. Is switching from they call it performance to fidelity, uh, cinematic, um, wasn't it? I think on that one, cinematic. Yeah, I don't understand why they call it cinematic because it looks and runs like ass. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But I couldn't. I tried to play through part of a level on it and just couldn't do it. Yeah, I I switched it on for literally a moment and then just moving. Just yeah, no good to me. No good. Yeah, to I me tried as well. But then you didn't. You, you only switched the game on itself for like literally a moment and then finished it. Couldn't do it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah got, I got a reference. Thanks. It's um, Assassin's Creed Valhalla that only had the performance mode when it first launched, and then it's got the fidelity mode now as well. I tried that and instantly switched back to performance. Which it's so interesting, isn't it? Because we've been banging on about 4K for so long, and here we are now. I mean, it's sad that we still have to make these sacrifices, but I don't know. Like I've yeah. been playing the past generation since I got my PS4 Pro. I've been playing in uh, fidelity or cinematic, however you want to call it, because I'm like, well, I've got the f- I paid for the fucking 4K TV. I want it in 4K, and now that I'm got to this newer generation, I'm now playing on these performance modes. It's like it's almost like a two steps forward, one step back yeah that's the expression i couldn't say i fucked up the expression then <laughs> as far as i'm aware i'm sure zach would know more about this but the ray tracing it demands so much out of the game that they have to kind of have that compromise they can either mm-hmm. have it or they can't yeah well, i think eventually moving down the line within this generation though they'll get it figured out where hopefully we can have a little bit of both yeah i mean but i think I mean, before we can see a true 4k with ray tracing and all of that, it, it may be the next gen. You've got, you've got to this. think as well that Spider-Man Miles Morales is a cross-gen title. Insomniac is currently working on Ratchet and Clank as well, which is PS5 exclusive. If they could do what they've done with Spider-Man as a cross-gen title and then release Ratchet and Clank after, I mean, it still blows my mind to this day that you can boot up Miles Morales, you can be at the main menu, you can press start on your game save and then you are in that world within about a second it's insane yeah well and that's the thing too we're still in this maybe even for the next nine to twelve months we're going to be in this weird gray crossover area that happens between every console generation and quite honestly i think this one has probably been one of the better ones with a with, with the exception of a few games but um, you're right. Once they actually start developing solely for these consoles, and we move beyond the the Xbox One and the PS4, we're going to start really seeing what these consoles can do. Right. Look at um, the end of the PS4, for example. You got Last of Us Two and Ghost of Tsushima, both which looked absolutely stunning. And yeah. if you compare yeah, yeah. them to like a, a launch title, it's just it's amazing what they can do with these consoles. Yeah. Well, I think this is the, the the perfect time to talk about how a company can particularly fuck up a, a cross-gen title launch. Um, obviously, Cyberpunk has... Do I detect the presence had... of a beautiful segue? 
Uh, you do? Edna, you told me to add some production value to the show. On the I'm, segway I'm, charts. I'm surprised he segwayed away, actually, because he was quite eager for me to talk about Demon Souls, but I'll, uh, I'll let him carry no, on. No, because you're going to shit all over, and I don't want to hear anything about it. So let's talk about cyberpunk. I'm not going to show Because this has been a goddamn shit show. Holy crap. I Just when you think 2020 couldn't get any worse. Well, let's, let's preface most, this by one saying... One of the most anticipated... Well, hold on. One of the most anticipated games of the past decade... I mean, we're rolling up on 10 years since this game was first announced. Most anticipated game of the past decade. One that Tom and I are unbelievably excited for. Fucking tanks itself. It's, uh, for me, it's all about how corporate greed wins over actual being able to deliver the product that people want. Mm. I mean, well, and that, that comment right there is exactly something that there was a very, very hostile internal meeting where the developers of Cyberpunk confronted the executives and the board. And one of the comments was, was essentially, don't you think that it is on some level hypocritical for you to do what you did while asking us to make a game that outlines and brings to light corporate greed. Yeah. It was met with silence, wasn't it? Pretty much. Yeah, it was just a very silent and non-committal answer. It's, I mean, it's, I don't think we need CD. to go into depths of the situation. If you, if you guys, so if if you know about all this, like great. If you don't know about all this, go and just have a look anywhere online. I don't think we need to give full context for the situation. What's happened? No. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it's it is a prime example of trying to create a game and make it work on more systems than it really should. In the past, we've had launch titles that have been cross-gen, and the previous gen was the the weakest link and the lowest common denominator, so you have to create the game to cater to Can that. I stop you there so, for a moment, though? Two no, points. <laughs> two points, right? There are two points here, because there's a couple of things you just said. One... Technically, this game is not cross-gen. Yet. No. No, right? So that's one. The other point, this was originally scheduled, before it was delayed another two times, to be out in April, when the ne- the current new-gen slash current-gen consoles weren't even due to come out. So, so to say, to but, say but that they, like, they had to said, try and make it like, work cross... To try and make it work cross-gen, technically, but if it had been back in April when it was... It wouldn't have been a case of being cross-gen then. It was still trying to be made for the consoles that they originally well, announced it for. But but here's what happens when we come to the end of a console life is games that are in development and close to release, there comes the time where you say, do we push this out here or should we start moving this into the next gen? It's happened for decades across different games. But I think what should have happened to this is they should have said, you know what, guys? Everything we've shown you is PC. This thing runs like absolute inside-out asshole on PS4 and Xbox One. We are going to push this for consoles until the PS5 and Series X are ready. Here is the PC release. I've got three-word response out there. Doing that, doing that in hindsight, it would have saved every ounce of goodwill that CDPR has has generated over the past years. They've blown that. I mean, their good name is completely shot. Oh, God, I've yeah. got a three-word abso- response, though. It's absolutely been what? shot on from a height. It really has. But the, the thing for me is when they came out and they said, we have everything we've shown you is the PC version and the PS4 version wasn't up to scratch. You were only 
developing for those consoles. This was not developed yeah. with the PS5 and Series X in mind. It was delivered, developed for those consoles. Like, I understand it's a massively ambitious game. The developers have probably been all working from home because of COVID. That's going to f- have a factor on it as well. But again, the corporate greed comes into it and they went, we don't care if this game isn't published, isn't polished. I just want it out there. We've spent so much money on this. Now we need to get recoup some of that back. But what they've done is effectively they've completely trashed their company's reputation. I think it's... Uh, Shigeru Miyamoto from Nintendo says like a delayed game like a bad game is always bad but a it's delayed game bad. can be good or something like to that effect well and see I can relate to that directly though because I do work in direct sales and I work with a lot of people who take that exact mindset they are more concerned about the immediate dollar fuck how it makes your customer feel or anything else I need to make money now and I take the other approach of I am more concerned about my long-term investment. If I sell to you now at a good price and give you a quality product, it means that you're going to continue coming back to me. Instead of selling you a shitty product for a high price and then taking my money and running and guaranteeing I'm never going to get business again because I look at it now. Any any game that they make for the next however many years, people are going to look at it and be like, mm, I remember what you did to me with Cyberpunk. Instead, if they would have said, we're not releasing it on this consoles anymore. Guys, we're sorry. We hold ourselves to a higher standard than this. We aren't going to release this because we know you're not going to be happy. Yes, the internet trolls would have been pissed off and they would have said, God damn it, you've been delaying this for so long. Just give us the game now. And it's that constant catch-22 where if you delay it, people are going to be pissed off. But if, if you release it in a shitty condition, people are going to be pissed off. Well, this is the, this I is think the, thing the lesser with, of the two evils is to delay it. This is the thing with video game hype. And, for example, this game was announced seven years ago or something, which yeah. is crazy. And obviously, I know 2012. I, I work in marketing, right? I know how it all works. You've got to hype up your products and stuff like that. But people get so excited for things and so passionate about it. And the internet obviously gives people to have a sounding board in, in potentially negative ways. And it's just, it's this whole thing that just snowballs too much. And there's, there's a lot to be said. Like, I would honestly be happy sometimes if somebody just came out and said, right, we're making this game. It's out next week. You know, yeah, it's like <laughs> the Apple to, approach to, to it. To piggyback off your point of like you wanted to hype your game, and by the way, Eric, that three-word response to why they didn't cancel the the last gen, eight million pre-orders. Oh yeah, that's your three-word response. But um, Dan, to piggyback off that about you know the the hype about the game and the marketing, the thing is, for me, I've not played Cyberpunk. I am going to wait. I, I wasn't that fussed anyway, but I'm going to wait for the proper PS5 version. Maybe wait for how many fucking patches it needs. But the big thing for me, and I think for a lot of people, is the outright deception and the outright lying that Cyberpunk have done. And most people have started off from the fact that they released the review codes for this game five days before release, and they only released PC version. And they, when people were doing video reviews, if you, they might have changed it now because the embargo's up, but if you watch IGN's video review the day it came out, Tom Marks, the guy who reviewed it, at the very beginning he says, please note, due to embargo, we were not allowed to use our own video footage for this game. We had to use footage that CD Projekt Red gave us. So there's instant Jesus, deception there. I didn't know that. But yeah, and if you, I, I watched it myself, right? But go back further than that, right? I'm on gamesradar.com here, right? Uh, this was posted 23 days ago. And it says here, speaking earlier this week on Wednesday and transcribed by Seeking Alpha, Kaczynski said that Cyberpunk's 277's performance on the base PS4 and Xbox One's console is, quote, surprisingly good, I would say, for such a huge world. 
Yeah. So I've even back the then, they were... <laughs> isn't it? It really isn't. <laughs> so I have personal experience with this. I've played it on a PS5 and the base PS4. So I understand that my my experience is not going to be indicative of everybody else because I've seen the video footage out there. It's hilarious. And just There's to make so a point many... as well, like I, I know there are some of our community members who are having a good time on the base consoles as well. Yeah, so I popped it into PS5 and uh, it looks nothing like I thought it was going to look like, obviously because they've been showing us PC footage for it. And again, PC is always going to have a, a little bit of a, actually a huge cutting edge, but it still looks and plays phenomenally on a ps5 i've not had one issue with it minus a couple like maybe the lip syncing might not track up or like something really minor like that but no game breaking bugs no massive texture issues uh i loaded it into my base ps4 and boy howdy it does not look good i didn't have the texture issues but it looks like a very early PS4 game, very grainy. Um, it doesn't have that that bright pop to it that you're expecting. However, it played fine. I played through like the first hour of it and and got through to once you get into the open world, and it plays fine. It's just see the, a lot the, of people graphical issues. A lot of people have been saying that it doesn't play fine because uh, I've been reading the Digital Foundry stuff and things, and they've recorded footage running at like 10 FPS. Yeah. See, and I didn't get into the like the massive combat sections mm-hmm. where it apparently does really tank. So I can't speak to that. But from the beginning, there were a couple introductory shooter sections, and they played fine. Um, it it didn't look the best, but yeah, IGN you know, did it, a similar thing to Digital Foundry, and I've kind of watched a bit of both. Um, but like I know uh, the IGN video they were playing on a base xbox and yeah like you said dad it was dipping to 10 fps there was um uh, this might be in the digital foundry video as well I might be combining the two but like dipping to 10 fps at certain points um there I mean, was 10 fps te- mike is basically unplayable yeah is it is so yeah. low this and i mean i've te- seen things like where they they shoot like an explosive canister and it doesn't go off until about five seconds later yeah it's there was te- textures taking like 20 30 seconds to pop in there was like npcs that were just in t poses there was one point on one of the videos where there was an npc stood there in the street the character the player turned around and the npc was like who was stood there was a completely different npc um I've seen like <laughs> the, best, the best one I've seen, Mike, was uh, this guy was in a teapot. He was driving in the car, and he he popped out the top of the car in a teapot, and then his <laughs> trousers disappeared. <laughs> and I've seen, you know, I, I'd seen uh, there was a video I saw on Twitter of a guy who was literally driving along in the car, and then for some reason his car seemed to think it hit something and just went flipping in the air and shit like that like that that's not an enjoyable gameplay experience and and the thing well, is do you know what i think cd project red or cd project whoever has been fucking doing these statements they've not done themselves any favors because the witcher 3 released with some bugs let's not forget that right it, it actually took a while a for, yeah let's not forget the witcher 3 took a while to get sorted now i think and i i admit i think uh I think it was Imran Khan from KFGD who said this, and, and I agree with him. I, I agree with a lot of stuff he says. He said that, like, they made it worse the moment they mentioned refunds. If they hadn't oh, mentioned yeah. refunds, I mean, that opened up a whole fucking can of worms with Sony and Microsoft, which we'll get to in a moment. If they hadn't offered refunds, everyone would have bitched about it for a couple of weeks. It would have got patched. It would have been eventually sorted. The moment they refund, they mentioned refunds, they escalated the entire thing. 
Well, because they were offering a promise that they couldn't live up to. I mean, mm. anybody who purchased it through their own through through their own storefront at GOG, okay, yeah, we can refund that. But now they're basically telling, yep, every other company is going to bend their refund policies for us. GameStop is refusing uh, refunds on it mm. because it's against their policy. Best Buy, you technically still can. Best Buy are doing um, it until plus- the 21st, I think it is. Yeah, PlayStation Store, uh, you had to call and go through this big, long process with customer service. Um, and then they finally just pulled it from the store. Yep. Xbox finally just pulled it from the store. No, it's, which, still, it's still on Xbox Store. You can get refunds, but they've pulled it from the thing. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. If you purchased it and you didn't request a refund, you still have access to download it. It's yeah. not like what happened with PT where they've just pulled it forever. Mm. It's just pulled from new purchases. Another quote from that day as well that I was listening to KFGD that I, I loved. I told you this last night, Eric. You know, they they said that, that CD Projekt Red are behaving like they've just hit your car. They want to get out of the situation as quick as possible, and they're just throwing their insurance details at you and running. And I, that is what it feels yeah. like. You know, I mean, it, that, in that same analogy, it would have been better for them to just write a note and be like, "Sorry, someone is watching me hit your car and write this note, so I'm just writing something <laughs> yeah. down and tuck it under your windshield and run away." Like that's what they should have done. Has been like. Hey, look, something shiny over here. By the way, here's another Witcher 3 DLC, and it's yeah, free. I just, I just, I feel so sorry because obviously, again, I work in marketing, and I just feel so sorry for their marketing team because they must have but, known all along that they were being so deceptive and that I imagine it comes from the very top that they had to be all the way along. And they couldn't show this PS4 version, and they were just waiting and waiting for the shit to hit the fan when it released. Well, supposedly, so, um, game, some games not having to go through cert is a bit of a sort of well-known secret within the game industry. And CD Projekt Red or CD Projekt, whichever side of it is, they've kind of basically said that this game didn't go through cert, which there's a lot of other things to do with that as well, like that whole seizure thing and um, everything like that. The, um, you know, Sony pulling it from their store could potentially be backlash to that, that they've basically let essentially let people know it didn't go through cert. Well, just because something gets approved on PlayStation Store doesn't mean that they have quality checked it. Mm. It just basically means, yeah, this isn't going to brick your system. Yeah, true. But But if we can, like, I want to step aside from, like, the shit aspect of it for a second because I was extremely excited for this game. Tom and I have spent quite a bit of time chatting back and forth about it. This falls into that that really captivating genre that he and I both really like. Um, obviously, I mean, it's it's called it's cyberpunk. We we love that 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 stylistic, um, futuristic aspect of of humanity. And the game itself is a fucking blast. It is like Borderlands meets uh, an Elder Scrolls game mixed with a Grand Theft Auto game. Once you get into the open world of it and you can start exploring. Um, the game is overwhelming. It is genuinely completely overwhelming. When you first walk out into the open world, you're like, all right, I want to see how big this world is. And you hit your map and it's this top down just mesh. Like, Dan, it is your wet dream. There are icons Hello. everywhere, literally everywhere. And then I discovered there's a button where you can make the map 3D. And then it goes from a top down view to like a like an isometric view. And you can spin it around and see the height of all the buildings and where everything is. And it's just like... I need to close this. Well, this is the thing with open world games. Generally, they're quite wide. I I imagine this is more like kind of insular, where everything's built up, and that's kind of that's how it's different. Well, which is again such a shame because of the whole debacle surrounding the release. 
Well, the whole nature of like the cybernetic implants and just the the commentary that they're trying to make. Again, I'm only five hours into it, so I'm not super. I don't have my head completely wrapped around everything, but um, everybody has these implants that can modify aspects of your abilities from what you can see, how quick your reflexes are, and and all of that. So um, the upgrade chart the, the the skill tree is insane you have to go to these special doctors called ripper docs and they're basically like back alley organ donors and go and 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 get new eyeballs put in that give you better vision or allow you to see things through walls but um there is so much going on in this game that i i feel like i haven't even scratched the surface i know there are a couple of people who have posted in our group already that have rolled the credits i think jeremy sanford rolled the credits in just under 20 which I have to imagine at that point you're just golden pathing it, and I think that's doing the game a disservice. At least at where I'm at now, because everything that you do along the side quest leads into the main story, and it just really helps build that world. So I hope, I genuinely hope that they take the time to make this right and release it in a fully playable fashion, because the game is great. Are you do you do you think it'll make your like? Because obviously this game had a lot of hype surrounding it. Like it's arguably the most anticipated game of the entire generation. Like, do you think? Do you think obviously, not, not, obviously not. Obviously not. Obviously not. too many spoilers for the next show. But you know, do you think it'll hit your gutty list? Because you know, this was supposed to be the second fucking coming of Jesus, wasn't it? Um. Honestly, no. It probably won't because it came out in December, and a game this large, I don't think, has enough time to marinate to actually make the list. And I feel like, unless I sat down and powered through it. I'm not going to have played enough of it to say, yep, this is on my Gotti list. Maybe next year. See, I was like that with Death Stranding last year. Yeah. Death Stranding going to make your list this year? Uh, Who knows? I'll have to find out next time. Moral of the story is, delay your fucking games if they are not playable. Just delay them. Also, I, I want to put out a fucking PSA here. Now, I'm going to admit when I tell this story in a moment, I was a little bit ignorant to the reason why it was like such a big deal and, and I won't go into the things of that. But that reviewer from Kotaku who like said about the seizures with no seizure warning, the people who responded to her saying all that by sending her videos that can cause seizures yeah, fuck those to people. people. Yeah, fuck you. Like, be better to each other, man. Just be fucking better to each other. <laughs> yeah, I, I get that the whole controversy not even controversy but the whole situation surrounding that was a large misunderstanding as well mm. of what she was trying to bring to light yeah and like uh, i said i was a bit my, ignorant to it at first my initial response to it was you know you have a seizure disorder you played video games you had a seizure whose fault is that and then through conversation and her further follow-up to it like her initial story didn't explain any of like Okay, yes, I knew this. However, there's no e- there, there's no warning outright. Like that wasn't immediately said. Yeah. And then through further explanation. Yeah. So apparently, yes, there is uh what's it called? Uh, there's a, a thing called brain dance in the game. Yeah. And it replicates light patterns used to actually cause seizures. Mm. And there was no like upfront warning about yeah. it apparently, in the beginning of the game. <laughs> apparently there is actually one in the EULA. Uh but the actual EULA actually begins saying, no one actually reads the EULA. <laughs> Great. Good work, everyone. <laughs> I'm just so gutted by this whole situation because it's just, I don't know. Okay. You, you look forward to something for so long and then it comes out and it's just a hot turd. 2020 going to 2020. 
Yes. <laughs> and it's like it's like not even the, like the game's not even shit. It's just the situation surrounding it. It's like come on, like just give us a break. It's you know, I wanted to end the game. I wanted to end the year in a good game, and can't do that. From from beginning to end, it's been poor. The thing is, it's been poor project management because. You know, they've been, this game's been in production for so fucking long that, like, part, to be fair, right, to go off on a tangent slightly, part of the problem is, is this is probably has, it has been gestating for so fucking long that the scope of the game has probably changed so much. You know, the original scope of the game probably was fucking fantastic on a base PS4 or Xbox One, but it's been going on for so long and they'll been putting more and more in, the scope will have changed and that's, it's, it's just got bigger than the console it was originally planned for. Like, that is completely possible. But how much of that comes down to poor project management, poor communication? I mean, CD Projekt this year were already in bad books because they said said things like, our, our developers are not going to crunch on this game. What happened? An announcement came out, oh, yeah, they're probably going to have to crunch. Um, they're going to fucking, you know, they, they said things like, it, you know, the original lies that we said. Their response afterwards was, Oh, we didn't pay enough attention to to the base PS4 and everything like that. What do you mean you didn't pay enough attention? But, you know, other things like they said they weren't going to delay. They delayed. And they said, oh, it definitely won't get delayed again. What did it do? It get delayed again. Like, this entire thing has been poor marketing, poor communication, and poor project management in my mind. Well, and just overhyping of it, too. Dan makes a good point. And we've talked about this so much in the past, too, is just the hype train is a very real thing. And mm-hmm. I think any self-respecting gamer would do well to never jump aboard mm. and just always look at it and be like, all right, let's be objective about this. Yeah, I mean, we've briefly you know, spoke you, already. This next generation game is getting more expensive. Sidebar, I won't bother going into it now because I haven't played that much of it, but I got Series X. I managed to pick one up. It's my Game Pass machine. That's what it's going to be for because of the price of games. And I also said that I'm going to be very rarely pre-ordering games at launch now, mainly because of the price. But I think something like this is a prime example now of why maybe you're better not jumping in at launch. And, you know, between the prices and this, and admittedly I wasn't that bothered with Cyberpunk anyway, I am definitely going to be selecting my pre-orders much more selectively. This is the thing. I, I will sometimes with a game, I will wait until the reviews come out to objectively buy this if i watched ign's original review of just the pc version and went and just bought it then i would have felt extremely cheated ign has now published another review of the base ps4 and xbox versions got a four Four out of ten a four cyberpunk got a four Mm -hmm. i mean just think about that for a second that's insane we expected this game to come out and get an 11. Yeah. I, I am immediately suspicious of anybody who doesn't provide review code to a, to their review outlets a couple of weeks before because that yeah. means yeah. that something's not right. Or they don't release the, the... They have the review embargo set for release day. Mm-hmm. Like, What are you trying to hide yeah. here? It's, yeah. It immediately throws up red flags to me. Mm. Um, one other new game that came out last week that I want to talk very briefly about because I Mike and I played a little bit of it yesterday and had a fucking great time uh the new season of warzone well actually the new transition and it is technically a new season so they've merged cold war and modern warfare into the new season one of warzone and uh they've included a new mode in there called rebirth resurgence which is basically a frenetic miniature version of battle royale there are uh i think it's 40 people 40 or 50 people it's really small on a small island about the size of 
like Alcatraz. It's a prison island. And it's teams of three. You drop in. There's still the fog. Or there's still the, the, the circle that comes in. But the major change to it is that if you die, you respawn 30 seconds later as long as at least one person on your team is still alive. Uh, they can reduce your your um, countdown by getting score. So killing people, um, completing contracts, anything like that. So it's extremely fast-paced and a freaking blast. It really, really nicely bridges the gap between um, multiplayer team deathmatch and battle royale. It is a hell of a lot of fun. I, we only played for what, like an hour or so last night, didn't we? But you told me about it. I was but like, you and I got second place in a couple rounds. It yeah, was a freaking blast. And that, that was with a rando with us each time. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, we had so much fun. It just honestly, when Eric described it to me, I was like, I mean, it's not not plunder though, is it? It's not, not my little plunder. And then, yeah, Susie got in. The, yeah. <laughs> the first round, the, the rando and I are sitting up in this building like we had taken we, we had taken hold in this building just waiting for another crew to come by and Mike's like breaking windows <laughs> and jumping through. I'm like, God damn it, Mike, there's people in the building right there. Be quiet. He's like, Hank Ferris, jumping out windows. <laughs> I'm used to play plunder. What can I say? Were you on um, oh, voice God. chat with this guy as well? Oh, we were. Yeah. Oh, we were. Yes. God. <laughs> oh, but you know, Mike, I do have to say though, I look back at previous shows when you first came on. You really did not like first-person shooters. Like, really did not like them. It was a huge struggle just to get you to to play. Um, what was the first one we did for the show? Halo. Halo. Yeah. Yeah, and you ended up liking that. But like, where you were and where you are now. It's it's awesome to see because it's such a fun for me. It's such a, a a fun game mode and one of the most versatile for multiplayer with your friends. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong, so I'm still fun. shit comparatively. But <laughs> I mean, you did fine. Was, that, was it six kills I got in one of those games last night? Which is good yeah. for me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but one other thing I want to talk about too. We do have a really big announcement, but I want to talk about the. Uh, community event that we did a couple days ago where we played Among Us with a bunch of people from the community. Uh, big thanks to Steph for organizing that, by the way. Oh, what a freaking blast. We set up a Discord channel. Um, I hope I'm, I hope I get everybody here. We had Steph. We had Juliet. Uh, it was you, me, Tom, Hazel, and Josh. Josh Burnson? Burn- Burns- Is that how you pronounce the name? I'll have a look. Bernstead? Bernard? It's not Bernstein. Bernstein? Josh Berenstein Bear? Josh Bear. <laughs> Josh Bear, that'll do. Old Joshy Bear. Did I... I think that was everybody, Yeah, seven right? people, that's right. What a blast. Yeah. I have not... I'd only played a couple of rounds before that, but what a good time. We'd yeah. set it up. We had a Discord channel. We were all chatting. And uh, Hank Fist is undefeated. <laughs> How was the imposter like a solid six times? I only got imposter once out of all these games. But yeah, me and Hazel went oh. to separate rooms of the house so that we couldn't like ruin each other's game and stuff because i wish we tom were on now. here to explain this situation but the very last round we did we had two imposters oh did you I say dalton them. did you say dalton dalton suter was on. i'm sorry yes yeah. dalton was in there i knew i'd forget somebody sorry dalton um i was the imposter and i walked into one of the rooms and tom was in there and as i slice his head off uh no no, no i'm sorry it was it was josh was in there i kill him tom and juliet both see me as I jump into the vent and they immediately call a meeting. I'm like, shit, I'm busted. And Tom comes on, he goes, or Juliet comes on. She goes, I saw who it was, but they jumped into the vent. and I didn't know what color it was. And Tom goes, 
it was Eric. And immediately Hazel goes, I saw Tom acting kind of suspicious. And I went, yeah, I saw him acting suspicious too. And like Tom just could not reconvince everybody. So I managed to murder somebody in front of two people in broad daylight and still get away with it. I'm going to have to get oh, this one, aren't I? You've got, it's I on so bad. Game Pass for PC, Dan. Oh, which I have cancelled because I haven't been using it recently, but I will get it again <laughs> at some point. Dan, it's like $4 on Switch. Oh, yeah, on Switch, it's like three seventy nine. Yeah, but what yeah. you lot The only you downside of the Switch... On, that's what we need. It, it's, it's all cross-gen. super cross-platform. It's cross-platform. Ah. Not cross-gen. Cross-platform. Yeah, we have people playing on phone and PC and all of that, but... Mm. Just um, use Discord. I use Discord through my iPad and set of headphones. It was so fun just messing with people. I would always get Hazel, like, really uncomfortable because I would just follow her around. <laughs> so she would always think it was me, and... uh the very last round, I felt so bad because I had to kill Tom. I felt so bad. And just wandering around and like, see you, bud. It's nice for somebody to kill Tom for a change. Not the other <laughs> way around. But yeah, we... we but no, I, I want to do that more. We need to set that up more often. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Because that was a freaking blast. So, um, guys, we have an announcement to make. Like a big uh, announcement. Tom, Tom's not here, so... Uh, whoa, 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 premiere. <laughs> exclusive <laughs> i'll just pipe something and i'll ask him to record it and send it oh, okay <laughs> but uh, i alluded to this earlier in the week on our facebook group which you can find us at facebook.com slash factory sealed podcast i posted an image of our logo it says factory sealed video game podcast network with retro gaming and then another little blue color with some question marks and a, and a queue in the middle of it we are going to be queuing at windows that's what the queue is for Yes! Yes! <laughs> We're opening a, que- a window queuing podcast. <laughs> Since we've got four people in four different parts of the world, we're going to uh, become connoisseurs of the finest windows this world has to offer. <laughs> See, I thought it was going to be cheese and pot remaking a comeback. I really did. But I'll take windows. Take windows. Yeah, that's the second favorite thing. Um,. Uh, but no, as we have done over the past, Jesus, we've been doing this for eight years. Fuck off. <laughs> Jeez, eight years. It's too long, man. It's too long. We have evolved. And uh, dun, for the past, dun, dun, I would say this year. I used to be done, and now I am done as odd. This past year, we have. Sorry. We've kind of felt like we've needed to grow a little bit more, and we've needed to evolve. Um, Daniel, is this your penis enlarger? <laughs> right, serious I see, guys. I see we've fallen into the. I see we've fallen into the Eric's trying to talk. Let's fuck with him face. That was my favorite evolution. <laughs> it was, uh, but no. So this past year, we've kind of felt that things need to change. We need to grow. We need to adapt because as we get older, we have less personal time we have less free time and we want to make the most of that that we can and a lot of that does get taken up with playing the games for the show and as the games get longer and more complex and our shows are starting to grow in length as well we are missing out on time to actually play games that we want to play as well outside of the games for the show Um, but when we do those do drift into the show and our shows have started to get three four-ish hours long so we are going to separate that Starting on January 3rd, we are creating a brand new show called Factory Sealed Side Quests. And that show is going to be 
more focused on modern games and our personal lives and silliness. And it is not going to have any dedicated structure to it. So think about the the, the, the silly, goofy shit that we do before we get into the game of the week. It's going to be a show entirely about that. doesn't mean that there won't be concepts or or ideas that we're going to be discussing. Like our very first show for that, or is that going to be the game of the year? Our 2020 games of the year. So we're going to drift that from Factory Sealed over to the side quests. Um, with that, we are going to be reducing the frequency that we do Factory Sealed. We are still going to be releasing two shows a month, but one is going to be Factory Sealed, one is going to be Side Quests, and they are going to be alternating. The reason this is important for us is that it now gives us a month to complete the games that we want to play for the show, because unfortunately, there are times where we do not finish them, and a lot of it comes down to just flat out not having the time. Well, the other thing as well, you know, there's a whole brand new generation of games ahead of us as well, and you know, video games is our main hobby, and not that we don't want to put 110% into the show. We always do, but you know, we do have to be able to play this new stuff for ourselves as, as well. That's the, that's the big well, point the other, for it as well. The other part of it too, is we want to reduce how long the shows actually are because sitting here doing a three hour show, well, it's great. It takes a lot out of us and yeah. we feel like separating the two concepts factory sealed as it is now is still going to remain the same. The only thing that we won't have in here now is, uh, modern game chat and mm. gaming news. That's going to be pulled out and moved over to side quest. So it's still mm. going to be the exact same show that you've been used to with just a couple of small missing pieces that you can find over at side quest. It's going to be a completely different feed. Um, it is going to be factory sealed side quest. That's just what it's going to be called. The logo will look the exact same. So you'll be able to find it that way. Uh, we are also going to be making a change to our Patreon. Uh, Mike, do you want to talk about that? Yeah, sure. So uh, the main differences are going to be to the $5 backers. You $1 backers, you're still going to get unwrapped as usual. And I'm assuming we're still going to have unwrapped for the side quests? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah that'll yeah, be included cool. in it. We're no not going to have two separate Patreons. Okay, cool. Um, so at the moment, on the $5 backers, you one of your perks is you get uh, the video version, uh, which we admittedly are behind, behind on. Um, but we know how many people watch it. Let me tell you, it's not many of you. Is it even one person? <laughs> so at the moment, as it stands at the moment, we are going to be ditching that video version from the Patreon perk. Um, what we're going to do with the video, we're, we're kind of still in discussion about. We're not sure what to do with that as of yet. But what we're going to be doing, so when it comes to side quests, um, yes, we're going to be talking modern, modern video games and stuff. And like Eric said, it's going to be our personal lives as well. But what we are going to do is we're going to come sometimes come up with topics and stuff ourselves. But... There's going to be a new monthly post for the $5 backers to suggest topics for side quests. Now, these can be video game related. They can be personal life related. They can be something fucking dumb, like, you know, you want us to discuss as a hypothetical scenario. Like, I don't know, Eric finally has too much caffeine and goes on a quest across across America to slap his dick against every fire hydrant. Dan has to assemble a team (laughs) of people from his personal life to stop him and how does he stop him you know something shit like that if you want to do shit like that you can do uh, I've watched that movie. <laughs> yeah <laughs> anyway but yeah you, any kind of topics you want there'll be a monthly post for that any ones that we don't necessarily use we'll always keep the best ones for future usage and you'll get a shout out that on the shows that you came up with that topic and us discussing it so each month i'm going to put a post on there for you guys to put suggestions in the other big difference you're going to get is a monthly Q&A video with a member of the podcast crew. So every single month towards the end of the month, you will get a video with one of us. We're going to rotate. So one person each month, uh, just a Q&A. You can 
ask us anything um, and we, we'll just kind of sit, do a video and, and kind of chat directly to you guys. It won't be live. It'll it be does re- not have to be video game related yes, either. It'll be pre-recorded. It can be, yeah. Uh, and Think a, of it like an AMA. Ask me anything. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then at the beginning of each month, we will put a post up for you to ask the questions. So a $5 backer, you can ask the questions and you'll have access to the video. Eric is going to be doing the first one. So at the end of January, Eric will be doing a Q&A, AMA kind of thing. Um, and I will put the post up for that at the beginning of January as well. You're still going to get your name shouted out at the end of the show. Uh, you're still going to get the unwrapped. It's just that video bit has been taken down, but you're going to get all of these other perks as well. So the one thing I want to lay out there, too, is if you do have other suggestions for us with Patreon, please let us know. Uh, We've had to kind of dial back what we had because as Patreon grew and changed their their usage policies, some of the stuff that we had up, we had to take down because technically it fell within the realm of gambling. We could not do uh, we could not do random merchandise giveaway for people who were only part of the Patreon because that technically fell within their gambling guidelines so um if you have any other ideas or suggestions or what you think would be beneficial to have as a patreon or or what you would like to see please let us know and we can always add that Uh, as it stands now we're we're removing the tiers because we hit the major tier that we wanted to revamp our um recording equipment every other dollar goes directly back into recording the show paying for hosting and now that we have a secondary show that's going to go to pay for that as well so by having the amount of patreon support that we do we are able to actually support a second show because they do each cost money to put out um there will eventually be uh merchandise on the patreon store we did do that on redbubble didn't pan out as well as we were hoping it to we did get quite a number of purchases on it but it was we want to consolidate and make things easier to find. So we're going to move all of that over to the actual dedicated Patreon merchandise as well. So you'll be able to find that there. Yeah. Watch this space. And I know some of you are probably listening to this going, well, they tried to do a second show before with GDVP. And I think, I think the big difference here is we've kind of with GDVP and admittedly you guys started it before I came on board. I was only on one of them. Um, I think the big thing with that is you guys, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, I get the impression that you guys, you wanted to have a show to talk about modern games, but it was just, it was alongside Factory Sealed, and I think it was too much. Correct. And it wasn't necessarily as, even though this is going to, SideQuest is going to be a very free-flowing show. I mean, we say it's going to be modern video game-based. We might not even fucking get onto video games. You know what we're like. But, yeah. <laughs> you know, with with this, it's, it's splitting off from Factory Sealed for us to be able to do more focus on factory sealed rather than trying to put it alongside factory sealed yeah we kind of with gdvp we had a very loose structure where we kind of tried to sandwich it in between factory sealed episodes and as we know that just gives us less and less time whereas with this it'll be fortnight you'll have a side quest episode another fortnight there'll be a factory sealed episode so basically you get just getting the same amount of content from us but just spread out over two shows yeah there you go and some of the, and some of the way, criticisms we have is that we don't talk, you know, we don't get into the game quick enough and stuff like that. And this will enable us to do that. And, and you know, Eric said the shows are getting longer. And I feel like sometimes, I, I mean, Eric, you can attest to this, you know, the quality of the shows is, isn't necessarily that great because we're going for so long. Yeah. Dan turns into a pumpkin around the 15, 20 minute mark. Yes, this is correct. <laughs> so. Although you have been going full pumpkin lately, my friend, not me. I have. So. Yeah, I have. I blame that on work and life stress. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> but no, I'm I'm personally really excited for this because, like, take this week's game of the week, for example. I really wanted to play through it and enjoy it, but I, 
I finished it last night at like nine o'clock and I was just rushing through it and it got to the point where it's like, I just need to pull up a map so I can see where I'm going. And, and I didn't really get to fully invest myself in the game. And I think that's actually what's been detracting of from the quality of uh, the show from my perspective is that I haven't been able to fully immerse myself into each of these games because I know I have to get through it. If I now have a month to get through a game, that's plenty of time to actually fully immerse myself into it and explore it and enjoy it and generate thoughts and, and opinions on it as opposed to pulling a Dan Curtis and be like, oh, show's in 20 minutes, better play it. <laughs> I mean, how many times during reviews have we said, oh, if I was playing this you know, with more time, I'd probably enjoy it more than I did? A lot. You know, and I, I think I, that's I, one of the driving forces behind what yeah. we're doing. I can't believe I we used to do this, this weekly. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how you guys did that. But no, I don't, don't get us wrong, this doesn't, this doesn't mean that we're only going to play long games. Uh, we are still no. going to play shorter games. It's just it'll be a month apart. Um, what but we what might I've do suggested as well to the have, guys like, is- sorry, Mike, we might have some of those kind of themed episodes. Like we had a while, a long, long time ago, where we did the three kart races, for example, Battle yeah. of Mario Kart, Crash Team Racing, that kind of stuff. I, I like, I really enjoyed that episode, but we don't do enough mm-hmm. of it. Yeah, or if it's like some older 16-bit or 8-bit games, we can choose a theme to maybe play a few of them, like choose a franchise and like we can play like four or five of those games because they're so short and we tend to use um, save states to get through them fairly quickly anyway. You know, we can do a load of those and kind of review them all at once. And, you know, if we're getting more time on the show to focus on those games and we're getting more time to kind of do them all in one type of sitting, we can do, which does mean that we can actually approach some of those older games that we've been avoiding recently because we feel there might not be enough to talk about because they're more simplistic than what we're we have been doing so it's going to open up those opportunities as well well the other thing that's going to be really cool about the side quests is that since there is not a dedicated form and structure to it uh, it leaves it open for um, different styles and variations on how we want to approach it so if you and dan are really both playing through something that you're really enjoying and you guys want to talk about you're in the same time zone. You can pop on and do a show about that and throw that up and and have that. Or if Tom and I are playing or something or any combination of us want to hop on and do a show, we can. Oh, I never even throw about that, that. Up. So there, <laughs> the, there is more opportunity for there to be more side quest shows. But the main version of side quest is going to take place every two weeks where we're all on the show. But in between that, if we want to throw up little mini shows, we certainly can. Mm-hmm. So it, it definitely leaves it open for there to be more content. But I think that that this change has been coming for a while, and we just tried to incorporate it the wrong way last time with GDVP. So we really sat down and thought it through, and like, this is this is the way forward. We had a meeting, yeah. and it lasted one hour, 59 minutes. If it went even longer, we would have been sweating. But We would have had to delete all of the shows. <laughs> Too much work. The other thing as well, it takes some pressure off of us because... You know, I, I I sometimes take a couple of shows off just to kind of give myself a bit of space and a bit of time off. And I'm sure we all do. I mean, Eric doesn't have that luxury because he's kind of on every show. But, you know, the, the side quest gives us kind of chance to take a show off, but still actually play a game for the show. If we only want to take one show off or we have plans or anything like that, we can still play yeah. the game for the next uh, fact, uh, retro show. And then obviously you can just skip side quests. And it's, not ju- it's not a massive deal if we miss it. It just comes yeah. down to really want to deliver a better quality show 
because we don't want the energy to come down. We know from a fact that when we first all meet up and we haven't talked to each other properly for like a couple of weeks, that's when the stupidity reigns and we get, and then after you crest the two hour mark, it's hard, it's hard to keep the energy up and keep it the same and stuff like that. And for me, it's about, a lot of people have said they do love the modern gaming aspect of what we talk about in Factory Sealed. But if you think about it, Factory Sealed is a retro gaming podcast, really it's not the perfect fit for it to be in there. So we can pull that out from there and have a dedicated show. And I feel like mm. between the four of us, we're pretty knowledgeable about games. We can have a good discussion about modern games as well as retro games. And I think we've got something to bring to the table there. And that's what it's all well about said, for me. Mr. Curtis. So, yes, that is coming in two weeks we will Um, we will remind at the end of the show but just to make sure it's clear the next show which will be our top 10 games our game of the year list which is usually you know i know that's a favorite show for a lot of people that will be on a separate feed and we'll be recording it on the 3rd of january so and i would say probably next week i'm going to record a small blurb and put it out on the factory sealed feed to remind people who may have forgotten or did not listen to this show so that it will pop up and say, hey, this is what's happening. Hello, everybody. Hey, my hey, name hey. is Eric Peterson, and I'm going to be splitting apart my show because of reasons. <laughs> you forgot the listen. <laughs> listen, this here is Eric Peterson, and we're going to have two shows for y'all. One's going to be a gun, the other's going to be a bullet. <laughs> But yeah, after after this show goes up, um, I will kind of I I will do a post in the community, kind of wrapping up everything we kind of announced with the Patreon and everything as well, um, just so people can get their heads around it. If if me explaining it didn't, yeah, and I think we actually uh, do. We want to announce now that we we kind of got an idea of what we might be doing for the second SideQuest show, or do you want to leave that for now? Uh, no, we've talked about it quite a bit that we were mm. going to do it on this show, but yeah, we may as well. I think, yeah. so our first one is going to be the 2020 games of the year. And then after that, um, you were thinking of doing our, the, the top games of the last generation, correct? Yeah. Uh, for the record, that doesn't mean every single side quest is going to be a list show. It's just that we have, people have asked for these, so we thought we would do it. Yeah. And it's not even going to be a list. It's just be, what do we think are some of the best games of the last generation and why? Yeah. Not, not like our and we normal. may get to that topic. We may not. Who the fuck knows? Who knows? Question: Are we uh, including the switch in that? Because that kind of straddles gens, doesn't it? Hmm. I don't know, Mike. Yes. Don't ask the difficult questions. <laughs> you know that I can only count up to ten. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think I it's do with three. Actually, after three, it's many. I don't know if you remember. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> I can count up to one, two. Listen, <laughs> rest of numbers don't matter because there's first place and then everything after that is last. Oh, dear. Yeah, so exciting, exciting times. I'm happy to, I'm happy that's finally happening. We're hopefully yeah. going to start 2021 off on a better foot and set the stage for something to not be quite as shit. Yeah. Yeah. It was fun reading through the predictions from people when i posted that uh posted that logo the first yeah. so many people wanted the cheese and pottery podcast a lot of people still might be, mo- there still might be room for a third sure <laughs> <laughs> the overall the overall uh response to it was was pretty positive and anyone who said yep is this the, the resurrection of uh gdvp in so many words sure but better 
either that or we're going to pull a fast bait and switch and it's going to be the launch of our OnlyFans page. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Tune in called- January 3rd. You're going to see cool. a bunch of dudes helicoptering. It's called Only Dan's. <laughs> <laughs> and we're all wearing those masks we made yep. for him. <laughs> <laughs> that would be terrifying. That is oh a lot god. of Dan's. Oh my god, that video you said of, uh, was it Amelia wearing it? Running across the... <laughs> With the haunting child's laughter. I need to share that to the group. I don't know if I, I, don't know if I shared on here that uh, I put that mask as the star on top of our Christmas tree and had to take it down because it was scaring the kids. <laughs> Sorry, I just snorted that. I don't know if the mic picked that up. Thanks, lads. That I makes forgot me feel about great. that video of her running around the counter just squealing as a kid. <laughs> Little baby midget dance. It's literally uh, the worst four door ever as well. <laughs> you couldn't have picked them. Oh, it was great. Went all over Vegas with us. Hey, uh, me and Eric chose it. It took us a while to choose that. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I like Mark Marchesi's suggestion of the Factory Seal Groundations Improvement Show. I should start a YouTube channel about that. Home improvement with Hank Best. <laughs> Just you in really short denim shorts smashing holes in your walls. <laughs> This here's a piece of drywall. This here's a hammer. <laughs> Starts off trying to wear a vest where he just goes, it's a little tight around the chest, and then pulls it off. <laughs> oh, dear. Do Maybe we- that'll be a Patreon reward. Hank Fist, home improvement. I'd watch it. <laughs> Listen, that there's broken. I can't guarantee we're going to fix it, but we're sure as hell going to try. <laughs> just transitions to you smashing it to bits with a sledgehammer. <laughs> I only, how many things can we fix with a hammer? <laughs> and if it doesn't fix it, he just shoots it at the end. New new ten pa- ten dollar Patreon tier. You can send something for Hank Fist to smash up with a sledgehammer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'd, I'd I'd become a patron at that level. <laughs> I would watch that. Let's know. Give some theme. I've got some jeans that need to be cut up. I'll make some jorts. Factory Get myself some some. Factorysealermanatank.com. Let's know. <laughs> oh God! Yes, changes are coming. Changes. Beautiful, Dan. Tom, thanks. Voice of an angel. I know. Tom, you want to uh, carry us into our uh, why we're here? Who's pretending to be Tom? <laughs> Game of the week. Did, week, did you genuinely week, forget week. that he wasn't here? <laughs> no, I knew he wasn't here. <laughs> this was Tom's game as well. I know, and Tom puts so much time into it too. But Game of the Week this week is the original Resident Evil However, it is the 2002 GameCube remake that we all played the remaster of the remake <laughs> of the original. And then I also played it on a PS5, so it was a backwards compatible version. PS4 backwards compatible version on the next gen console. <laughs> is this convoluted? We really fucked this one up, huh? That's, five, that's four generations right there. <laughs> See that there? I played ah, PlayStation. the Switch. <laughs> I played the Switch version. Uh, did you? Yeah, I, I started off so 
before we get into that, I started on the Switch version, but Jesus, have I been spoiled by the, the lack of loading times? <laughs> so this came out for the Nintendo GameCube on March 22nd, 2002. Uh, it was part of an ex- uh, exclusivity agreement between Capcom and Nintendo to bring previous and new Resident Evil games to the GameCube. That doesn't include Resident Evil 2, 3, and Code Veronica because those were just straight ports. Um, Mikami, Shinji Mikami, the director, felt like the original graphics of the first Resident sure Evil that isn't, had not. Is sure that isn't Mikami? <laughs> Mikami. <laughs> so that's our correspondent. Uh, he felt <laughs> He felt like the graphics hadn't aged well and any newcomers might not really be able to appreciate it. So um, the one of the programmers also said, you know, the localization wasn't really the best. So let's go ahead and just straight up remake it, uh, which was huge for the GameCube at the time because GameCube Nintendo up to this point was seen as very family friendly. So for there to be a full bore horror game on here, uh, the likes of Resident Evil, pretty big deal. Yeah, I, I, um, I pers- a little personal story on this. I think I've mentioned it on the show before. I remember when this got announced and it was on GameCube only and I was still a teenager living at home. Uh, there was no way I was probably going to get bought at GameCube as well as having my PS2 at home. Me finding out that the Resident Evil series was going on to Nintendo GameCube only because that included Resident Evil 4 at the time as well. Well, it was all kind of announced around the same time that Resident Evil 4, Resident Evil Remake, and there was going to prequel the prequel Resident Evil Zero. I was heartbroken. Absolutely heartbroken. I remember that as well, yeah. If only we um, recorded that because Mike just smashed up his house, we could have put it on the Hank Fisk Grandation show. <laughs> <laughs> what? Um, it's coming out for the feckin' GameCube! <laughs> Why am I Geordie now? Because you are, all right. Yeah. We know you hide. All right. All right. Okay. Uh, one of the marketing directors said that the main goal during development was to achieve motion picture visuals, um, which, you know, in hindsight, looking back at it, this game was stunning on the GameCube. Even by today's standard, you still pop this thing into a GameCube and it looks great. That GameCube was so unappreciated and, well, underappreciated in its time for what it was able to do. I mean, that thing was a goofy fucking system with its handle and its miniature discs and weird controller. That thing had some horsepower under its hood. Mm. I mean, obviously I played the PS5 version, but it looked really good. Yeah. I was quite impressed. I mean, they've, they've completely up all of it, but, uh, you know, the, the simple fact that they did such an amazing job remastering this game um i can't i was trying to think about this i can't think of any other games from that generation that were remakes of that caliber of older games i think we've got more in remakes kind of last gen oh yeah you gotta think the uh, the hipster remake the thing is you've got to remember the video game industry compared to a lot of entertainment industries in general, it is still a fairly young industry. So we're yeah. getting to a point now where people do have memories of these old games and they are a bit 
lacking in terms when you compare them to modern design and stuff like that. So the fact that you know we are getting more remakes now makes a lot of sense because there you know I, I mentioned earlier there's a history to PlayStation now. The entire industry there is a complete history now of people growing up with video games and newcomers to video games. You know it's crossing generations. It makes sense that we're getting a lot of them now. And I know a lot of people who are negative are going to go, oh, they can't think of new ideas. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> well, no, I think I think it's what they did here was really important because I remember when the original Resident Evil was first released and announced. Um, my uncle was in town and he had brought his his PlayStation magazine with him and was uncle talking Barry. about this game. He's like, what's that? Was it Uncle Barry? No. Oh. Uh, did he bring you a Jill sandwich? <laughs> Nobody brought me Chris's blood. Um, <laughs> did, you, did you hope it wasn't? <laughs> I remember him talking about this game. He's like, this is the most terrifying thing I've ever played. And he started talking about this snake that was trying to attack you and how terrifying it is with zombies. I'm like, I want to play that. And I never actually really got a chance. I didn't play through the first Resident Evil until after Resident Evil 3. Um my first one was Resident Evil 2, and I just, at that point, had drifted beyond it and never really got to go back to it. So, unfortunately, this game doesn't stick as well for me as 2 and 3 and Code Veronica. Um, so, going back to it was a little a little rough. I don't have the uh, ingrained elephant memory of it that Mike does. Are you calling me it's... fat? Yes. Okay. It's for me. Uh, no, well, I, I, in the brain. But... Go on, Dan. I'll let you go first. Okay, I was going to say I have not played. I don't think I've played the original Resident Evil. I might have dabbled briefly, but for me, this one, in the context of the ridiculous puzzles and stuff, makes more sense than two and three does. Where two and three are kind of like explore the police station, explore out on the streets, and this kind of stuff. This is a very insular, in a very mysterious, creepy mansion in the well, middle of nowhere, and it makes more sense to me. If you boil it down, though, as to what like. It- the the police station why the fuck is the police station built where you have to do all these goofy puzzles yeah, on it exactly. okay yeah well there's the lab underneath it but the mansion itself was was created by um i forget his first name something spencer it's a spencer mansion he's the founder of umbrella and he's conducting all of these experiments and he they they made it intentionally confusing and difficult so that people couldn't escape because they're conducting all of these experiments so there was logic and reason to it and and like you said, I I enjoyed that. It was a little bit easier to believe than just oh, here's a police station in the middle of the city. Well, you need an eagle crest. <laughs> exactly, and that's what I've always had that disconnect with these. And we've talked about the ridiculous puzzles before. And it kind of when I was playing through this one, I was I accepted them more than I would with Resident Evil Two with its ridiculous architect. It's, I was reading through some of the original intentions for the, the design on this, and apparently one of the original planned changes was to make all of the enemies invisible. There is a mode which, on the remake for where you can unlock after you finish where it makes the enemies invisible. Yeah, it's the prototype mode, right? Yeah, where you have I manual so, yeah. aiming uh, and all. I don't understand. Why? Why would you make all the enemies invisible? Just to make a rock hard, I guess. <laughs> But, like, why would that be the original concept? Like, you know what would make this game way better is if you couldn't see the only thing that makes it scary. Look, being invisible is it. cool, all right? Have you not played Metal Gear Solid? Uh, they, changed, 
Mike, you might be able to speak to this a little bit more as we get into it, but they changed most of the puzzle designs. Not uh, most of them. The, I, I, can, the, the changes on, I wouldn't say it was most of the puzzle designs. I mean, I. it's funny, going back a little bit, you know, to kind of our memories of Resident Evil and everything, I, Resident Evil 2 was my first Resident Evil as well. And I went back to this and I had a, a strange fascination with this game. Like, I always knew that, like, it wasn't as, like, Resident Evil 2 was superior, but there was something about the original. So, just talking about the original here before the remake, because you guys have never actually done the original on the show, have you? This is the first time in any way you've touched it. And, yep. I don't know, I had a strange fascination with this game. Like, I, I always remember uh, a mate of mine had a, a, it was a fairly shitty PC around his house, and he had Resident Evil on PC, and, like, we'd always try and get it to load, and it just would never load. And then the one time we did get it to load, it looked like ass, so we didn't bother. And I was trying to, you know, I I wanted to play this game so much and I, I, I finally got hold of it and I played through it quite a few times. Obviously, there's the two different campaigns which we'll get into as well. But even though Resident Evil 2 is a much more important game for me, I still have fantastic memories of this one and just the weirdness and the jankiness of the original and everything. Um, but yeah, because of that, I, I generally know the original Resident Evil pretty much off by heart. I mean, I played through this game, this remake for this this time I, mean, I played the remake before anyway but i played through most of this without a guide there was a couple of moments where i was like oh fuck what do i do with that again where i had to quickly glance but i did it, the majority of it from memory and i would still argue that like majority of the puzzles are still the same because a lot of my memories of the puzzles come from the original not necessarily the remake so saying most of the puzzles is i don't know i don't necessarily agree with that interesting yeah uh they also changed the They've designed it so that the zombies can come back to life after they're killed. Oh, fucking crimson heads! Because as long as, as as far as I recall, that was not part of the original. No, wasn't that new? There, there are two uh, brand new enemies. Well, t- technically three brand new enemies, um, because there's the crimson heads. There's Lisa Trevor, which I'm sure we'll get into, and there was. Um, so there's a bit where Forest comes alive for you like one of the bravo team members and um he was a bad guy in the director's cut but not the original original so technically it's three interesting yeah uh they added a new control scheme as well because original was obviously tank controls um you could do i forget what it was called dynamic where it's just whichever direction on the the screen you go is the direction your character doesn't work instead of forward is always forward which There's another work. one, too, where you can press <laughs> R, and they just move forward, and you can control them that way. So R is always just walk forward. That sounds dumb. Yep. But the 3D doesn't work because it's fixed camera angles on pre-rendered backgrounds, and if you're holding the stick a certain way and then the camera moves, the character starts moving in that direction. Well, the camera in this one is a little bit more dynamic, too. It'll, it'll follow you around as well. Uh, they added a subplot, including Lisa Trevor, which that was new to me because I'm like, who the is, like I don't remember this from the original. Yeah, no, it's completely. Um, apparently, that was supposed to be in the original game, but it ended up getting cut. It's kind of a dumb subplot. The whole introduction to her is really stupid. But uh, they had a weird question system for choosing difficulty instead of just normal, easy, very easy. It was. I don't know, what were the questions? Do you guys remember? I think it was like, do you prefer to rub a potato on your head whilst um, <laughs> singing the American National Anthem at the same time? Or would you rather rub the potato uh, on your head then do the National Anthem afterwards? Or do you just want to sing the National Anthem? 
that sounds wrong, <laughs> but we'll oh, go okay. with it. Oh, no, no, sorry, 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 sorry. No, it, it was a cucumber. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I believe it was something I I like my games like a leisurely stroll or I like kind of like walking up a mountain thing or something like that. Oh, it was, do you like to climb a mountain, go on a hike or a leisurely stroll? And I initially chose, oh, I, thought I it like was, to go for a hike. I like my games like I like my women. Huge ass. <laughs> Sorry, carry on. Uh, in 4K 60. <laughs> Playable on next-gen consoles. Not broken as shit. Speaking of somebody who lives with a hologram, the struggle is real. Sorry, that's pretty bad. Um, no, I, like, it, I, originally... I like my games like I like my women with a hole in the middle for me to put my dick in. <laughs> What about if you get a cartridge on Switch? <laughs> With a hole in the middle to put my dick in. <laughs> That's my offensive comment of the year. Got it in. <laughs> Very good, Mike. Well done. Uh, no, so I originally had chosen I like to take a hike thinking, yeah, that's normal. I don't want it to be really hard. Well, come to find out... Um, Scott sent me a picture of Tom playing it, and he had listed as very easy. And uh, like, Tom, which game mode did you select? He's like, well, I chose the bottom one thinking that would be easy mode because I just wanted to get through it. Well, come to find out, climbing a mountain is just normal mode. And then easy mode is the hike. And then very easy is like, I like to lay in bed and beat off. So what's the option for hard? (laughs) Fuck, if I know. I like to go to the moon. You unlock the hard mode at the end, don't you? Which is the version that... um has less healing items. The boxes, the item chests, you can't access. No, that's access prototype item. mode. There's a hard mode, but there's also a prototype mode. I thought prototype mode was the invisible enemies. I think the no, invisible enemies also has it where the... Mode. Yeah, invisible enemies is separate to the mode I'm talking about. But prototype mode does not have the, uh, the, the item boxes that are linked. Um, fewer items. Harder enemies. But then there is just a straight up hard mode, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, the enemy, yeah, the enemies take some putting down on the, uh, the easy mode because I accidentally selected that, not knowing that it was the easy. I accidentally. I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you all shit because I'm the only person who played this on normal. <laughs> Bullshit! I played it on normal. I thought you didn't. I thought you chose the wrong one. Nope. Played it on normal. All right, I'll let you off. It was that dedicated. He started again. Done. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, 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 I actually played one one and a half times because <laughs> I, I started Christmas Ooh. as well. <laughs> Get you, sister. And then I got distracted playing the campaign of Miles again, so it's a platinum it. <laughs> to further uh, the conspiracy that Dan and I are the same person, looking at the number of creatures we dispatched at the end and the number of ammo, uh, the amount of ammo we used, almost identical within like one no each. No way. I didn't actually notice yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. You dispatched 81 creatures, I did 80. You used 287 bullets, I used 285. What? That's so mad. Yeah. So Dan actually finished this a little bit quicker than me. I mean, you were in easy mode, but you finished about 20 minutes quicker than me. Mm. I finished at 9.30. I I went through so many emotions playing this game. When I first started (laughs) playing it, I was like, right, it's probably going to be shit scary and I'm not going to like it. And then... 
I within about an hour, I wasn't scared, and that continued all the way through. Didn't scare me at all, which again leads into Mike's conspiracy that he thinks I like horror games more than I do. Um, and then insert I, the office slamming the hand on the table. Thank you, meme here. <laughs> but hold on a second. I can we just discuss this for a second? Like, does Resident no, Evil can't. really fit into the horror genre? Yes, survival yes. horror. I think it's more of. Yeah, I, I mean, yes, it's definitely survival I guess horror. looking at it, I think at looking at it in current context, I think of a horror game as something like Fatal Frame or Blair Witch or Silent Hill. The thing is, though, Eric, if you think about the original, original Resident Evil, the context of it at yeah. the time, like we are spoiled by horror games these days with the amount of stuff they can put in. You take the original Resident Evil and yeah, okay, the game is really brightly lit. It's got fairly brightish colors. Like it's campy it's weird it is still kind of eerie and scary and and you know gives you that horrific tone i mean obviously silent hill took the feeling of horror to another level but when the original resident evil came out that was different to what anything what anyone had ever seen before in terms of you know wandering around this mansion not necessarily having a full direction of what you're doing and there could be a creature around any corner and there's so little health and so little ammo. And, you know, when you're playing as Chris, you can only carry six items and, and shit like that. You know, the, 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 even just having that small inventory adds to the horror aspect, that feeling of unknown, because you you know you can only carry X amount of ammo, X amount of health. That, yeah, that, it's like, I want to open this is, door, is but I also want it's to horror. be able to defend myself. But I need all my herbs. That's a lovely hate you use there, Eric. Well done. I know. I just figured I'd cater to you guys so I didn't get this is not an herb. <laughs> Does that like us? <laughs> I, I don't know if you guys actually you- mentioned it on when you did Resident Evil 2 or, and Resident Evil 3 because you did those pretty close to each other, but uh, the, the, the doors are one of those things like the Silent Hill Fog where they add to the horror but were necessary to hide loading screens. Yeah. Which I've always I, found really interesting. I wonder if they were necessary for the remake, though. Or if they just... Kept- no, but they're integral to Resident Evil at this point. I know, but yeah. it's it's kind of... I think, again, that's why I don't find it scary, because I'm like, if I wander into a room and there's a monster there, I can just turn around and go back out the door. And then I'm safe, you know? I mean, there was a couple of instances in this one, mind, where they barreled in after you, after you mm-hmm. went through the door. Was yes. there? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a new feature on the remake. Sometimes the zombies like notice that. If, if you encounter a zombie in one room and you don't take him down, he will come through the door after you. Hmm. It's only yeah, a certain the kerosene heads were fun. The kerosene aspect was new to this, wasn't it? Yes. Okay. So if you, I uh, I felt stupid because I almost killed myself the very first time I lit a zombie on fire because I was standing right on top of him and lit him on fire, <laughs> and uh, I was already kind of hurt. And then Chris just stood there getting himself burnt up. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna <laughs> die. This would be stupid. Going back to the controls and you know the horror aspect of this game, did you did you play with tank controls or did you guys play with 3D controls? I played tank. I yeah, played same. with whatever was on a standard. So the 3D controls, because yes. to me. The big part of these early Resident Evils as well, I think the tank controls actually add to the horror aspect. I mean, it's obviously people, developers getting to grasp with these 3D environments, but the lack of control you have over your character and those static camera angles where you can't see what's around the corner, you might be able to hear them. Like, you know, think of Resident Evil 2 and you know you go into a room and you hear that, that 
of the liquor. You know, you know, oh, fuck, this is, I can't see what fucking liquor is. Um, but, you know, on this one, you hear the zombies start, you know, moaning and, and slopping around and everything like that. And, you know, that adds to the horror as well, because you know you're going to have to go forward blindly into this next camera angle and you could get hit. You, you just don't know what's going to happen. That, that's the thing, again, with the controls. It's kind of, after playing Resident Evil 4, where you had a bit more control over the aiming as well, it's hard to go back to this one where you can't necessarily aim at the head and stuff like that. You kind of just have to plug away at them until they go down. You can, or you wait can... till they get really close and then aim up at the last second. Yeah, it's, Ooh, it's shot. And I was I was constantly low on ammo on this game. I was until the very end. Somehow I managed to end with like 40 magnum bullets and, and 70 pistols. Um, yeah, I feel, I feel like there was more ammo towards the end. Then it's, but it's also about saving your ink ribbons and knowing when you can save and when you can't oh save. My because God. my natural reaction is every time I go past the save point, I want to go, right, I'm going to save it now because I don't want to lose the last half an hour of progress. But in reality, you can't I... really do that. I fell into a very scary spot where I I hit a point where I said, you know what, if I die again, I'm just straight up not going to finish because I was so low on ink ribbons. And Mike, to your point, like I wasn't saving a ton, I know, but I was also saving. <laughs> I was also saving more than I normally would just because I was trying to get through this and I didn't have a bunch of time to continually redo stuff. But uh, there was a point where I was coming out of the tunnels. Not the tunnels, uh, the residence, and I had to do the entire second section of the mansion in Ooh, one shot with the hunters, Ooh. the hunters, all of that because I didn't have any extra ink ribbons and I didn't get any more until I left and went into the tunnels in that first save room. There, I had none. Oh my god, that's Jeez, bad. I, that's I, I died yawn as well. The first time I died halfway through. The second time I died going to the residence. I'm like. If I die again, I'm not doing this again. Yeah. See, I had a bit. I had an unfair advantage over you guys on this. Like, I was, obviously, you guys were telling me like the things you were getting uh, stuck with and everything like that. I had an unfair advantage in the way that I know this game so well that I knew the moments that were coming up. I knew the moments that I needed a decent gun with me. I knew the moments where I probably was going to get hit. I knew the moments where right, I'm going to be running back that way. I know there's a zombie in there. I'll avoid it, be able to avoid him, or I need to kill him because I'm going to be coming through there quite often. But that's just my knowledge of the game, my history of the game. Um, and you know, I I know I kind of had a joke about sometimes you guys like, oh Jesus, you not figured that out yet, you know, kind of thing. But it really goes to show how we always talk about how we have well, we just announced a new show because of it, you know, how we don't have much time to play these play games to their fullest anymore. And, you know, we've mentioned before how when we were teenagers we'd only have a certain amount of games and we'd we'd go through them multiple times and try to complete them hundred percent and everything like that. And it really goes to show my memory is mainly of the original, obviously, but it translates enough to this. It really just goes to show the way these games from that part of your life really just stick in your head. And I, yeah. you know, I yeah, joked that's... around on the Final Fantasy VII show that I just remembered the code in the rocket ship just because I do, and it's a useless fucking like piece of knowledge that I have. But, you know, I have this really stupid piece of knowledge of, of how to 
navigate the mansion in Resident Evil. Like, it's not going to help me in any way, shape or form. But, but speaking <laughs> of that, obviously I came into this blind, not really knowing what, where I was going and stuff like that. And it's all, when you first get in there, it's like, it's very, very overwhelming. And you're like, oh my God, how the hell do you figure this out? Where do I go? And then you kind of realise that you can use the map to your advantage and find, particularly on this, I think it's only on the remake that it tells you where you're missing items and stuff. If there's a room you've been in, and then mm-hmm. it's, if it's still got items left to collect and stuff like that. But then over time, because you go around this mansion so often, you remember where rooms are. You remember where your item boxes are. You remember how There's to navigate. Dan for you. <laughs> Dan, we've lost you. Oh. <laughs> well, I was still talking, so all, oh, the, all the people would still hear it. <laughs> I was, all right, where do you, did, want to repeat when did you last us? hear me? <laughs> no, he's gone again. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Now we can see you moving. Oh, yeah, okay. You're moving again. When did you last hear? Try again. Something about mansion. About it being the mansion being overwhelming. Oh my God, I said lords. <laughs> okay. I'm not going to repeat it because all the listeners will have said that. Basically, I said... And he stopped again. again. <laughs> uh, the wonders of podcasting online, eh? You should adjust your mic. Fix your headphones. Tuck in your shirt. <laughs> T- turn the radiator off. I can't figure out if he's sitting really still or if we've lost him again. <laughs> oh, there we go. Um, do you want to try again? One more time. <laughs> no, I don't. Nope. No, he doesn't. Could you Could you give us a TLDR? A tiddler? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Big mansion, hard to navigate, but you learn how to. Because of the map. I did like the map on this one where it would tell you, you know what, you got to go back in here and get something. Because I was running real low on health items as I was trying to make my way to the uh, to the tunnels. And I decided to go clear out the rest of the mansion to see if I could find anything else. And most of what I found was overlooked notes and things. So I risked life and limb to go pick up a notebook in a couple spots, which was stupid. Um but yeah, being able to look at it and be like, oh, that room's green. Don't need to go in there anymore. Yeah. Yeah, that is really, really helpful. The one thing they um, they did take away, because I'm sure the original Resident Evil, when you picked up a new key, um, it would show on the map which doors that opened up. Like, the, I think the doors would turn blue, I think it was. Yes. Um, yeah, they took that off, but they added the the whole, you know, item still in the room thing. Um, but again, my, my history of this game, my knowledge of this game, I was able to leave... Uh, health item like there were some places where there'd be like a collection of herbs and I'd just leave those where they were because I know I could come back with them later because I wouldn't need them and I got to a point just later like on a I, was, I kept doing it so much that I just I, I ended up having to do some herb runs <laughs> <laughs> sounds like something very different yeah <laughs> but it was funny though because I, I said to Hazel because she enjoys watching these these kinds of games and I said to you like does me knowing exactly what I'm doing like make this less interesting? And she was just like, yeah, if you could just aimlessly run around in circles for a while, pretending you don't know what you're doing, that'd be great. <laughs> that certainly happened to me for a little while. <laughs> and he's gone. He's gone. Oh dear. Dan, do you want to exit the call and come back in? Because we're having major issues with you. There you go. That's the same way Christy is, though, too, because she'll say, you know, I really enjoy watching you because you're you're good at this. Um, she'd probably get really frustrated trying to watch somebody who's bad at games. 
But I mean, I don't know. You guys have touched on the Resident Evil franchise quite a bit when you did the Resident Evil 2 and 3 shows, and we obviously did Resident Evil 4 as well since I've been here. Um, so, the, you know, the listeners that aren't that haven't played the Resident Evil games, they, if they've listened to the previous shows, they, they're they probably quite familiar with the whole Umbrella and T-Virus thing. But, you know, did you want to kind of wrap up the story a little bit? Yeah, I mean, this kicks everything off, and you've probably got your head wrapped around it better than anybody. Yeah. I mean, the, the I suppose one of the big things we should mention is the, the big difference in the two characters' campaigns. So you've got two characters you can choose from in this, which is Chris and Jill. Uh, me and Dan played as Jill, and, well, I did half of Chris as well, but then Eric and Tom played as Chris. Now, they definitely got the bum end of the deal, because Chris's is definitely harder. Yeah. I just can't even imagine uh, doing the whole six-item thing. That would no, just we be lost so- him again. <laughs> doing the whole... No, we've lost you, Dan. Oh, I can imagine doing the whole. <laughs> but I think what he was trying to say, and the listeners have probably heard, is he can't imagine doing the whole thing with just six item slots. Dude, it sucked. Well, like I was telling you, there was a spot later in the game where I got myself into a, I got myself into a situation where I had to burn a health item when I didn't need it because I, could, I couldn't advance, but I also couldn't go back. So you have to pick up this flamethrower to open a door. And, but as soon as you pick it up, it locks the door behind you. You walk forward. You set it onto uh, a, a shelf by the next door. It unlocks that door, and you can go through. Well, right inside that door is a healing item. So I picked it up, and it filled up my inventory. Well, then you come forward, and you have to pick up another item to take back with you. And I didn't have space for it. But I also couldn't go back and pick up the flamethrower to take it back and open up the next door that I needed to to go back to the item box. So I had to just stand there and eat a healing item that I didn't need, which begs the question, could you actually get yourself locked into that room and not be able to advance at all? Well, no, because there, yeah, you could. You could, because if I walked in and I didn't pick up that healing item and I picked up the item off that the, 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 the shelf that you needed to progress. You can't put those items back down. I could have locked myself into that room. Wait, which which, which room are you talking about? Uh, So when you're down in the labs, Mm -hmm. after the boulders. Yep. So you walk in and uh, in order to activate the elevator, you have to get, there's that little, that little key shaft thing. You need to get the smaller piece to it and you connect them and then Mm -hmm. it creates this key that you stick in. Yeah. So it's after the spider, you grab the flamethrower to lo- open the door or you, you go through the boulder area, you set the flamethrower down to open the door. You can walk in and there's an item on the ground, but there's also that item uh, after the statue puzzle where you have to mm-hmm. move the statue and rotate it 90 degrees. Yeah, yeah. So you open that, then you get that little item out of there. You could walk in there with Chris with a single item slot available, pick that up and be fucked. Well, no, you wouldn't be because you can always get back out and go back to a chest. No, you couldn't. You That's what I'm saying. You physically, there was, you there was a chest in the room before that. No, there was there not. There wasn't because you couldn't get out of there. Because I'm pretty. Because because one of the things Lisa I always Trevor think is the tunnels. No, it is that bit. It's not that bit. He's on about in the. Um, he's on about in the. You know the underground bit in there, and you had to do the. You had to take like one bit and put it together, and then twist it on the menu to look at the code to get the elevator power working. He's on about round there. 
the two bits that you put together seriously i i searched that entire section i physically couldn't go further back because i had to use the flamethrower to open the door to get into the room that had the box but i couldn't pick the flamethrower up because i didn't mm. have an open inventory slot i don't know there must have been some way around that what a cop on, out no, no, it is by the way that you get a flamethrower and you have to use it to open a door no chris yeah. chris does get to use a flamethrower oh as a weapon on Jill's, it's a broken one, but uh, Chris doesn't get the uh, grenade launcher. Whereas Jill gets a grenade launcher, um, which is one of the big differences. But because th- I'm pretty sure there would have been a way to get out if you if you thought about it, Eric, because the one thing that I always commend Resident Evil games for, these early ones, and I always notice it right towards the end, is whenever you're going towards the last boss and you need to be able to pick up an item in the boss battle, they always make sure you have item an item you have to use to access it. So like... In Resident Evil 2, the A campaign, no, you don't need to pick up an item for that. In the Resident Evil 2 B campaign, at the end when you fight Mr. X for the last time, you during the fight you have to pick up a rocket launcher, which takes up two slots. And to access that fight, you have to pick up these two items that you have to put into a machine beforehand. And it's the same with this. To go into the elevator, which takes you up to the tyrant fight at the end, where you have to have one slot for the rocket launcher, um, you have to use an item on that elevator and it doesn't let you control it again after that. So the, yeah. the, I'm sure I'm sure there would have been a way. I'm no, sure. there. I I promise you there was not. Mm. I searched all over because I did not want to burn that item, and I had to. Interesting. I physically could not go back. Interesting. But yeah, the two two big differences. The, well, the main big difference between the two characters. Uh, one's got a dick. I assume the other one hasn't. Um, but <laughs> but you know, yeah, the item slots is the biggest thing. They have a different key item. So Jill has a lockpick, and Chris has a lighter. The lockpick opens up the doors uh, with like a simple lock, whereas Chris needs to find these tiny keys. Um, Jill has to have a separate lighter item. So if she's doing the kerosene thing, she has to take up two item slots rather than one. Um, Chris moves a little faster and he can take more damage than her. Uh, But Jill, on the other hand, gets Barry helping her quite a bit. So the Resident Evil timeline from the original, it's a... The actual canon is this weird mesh of both campaigns because in Jill's campaign... Shut up, Dad. 1776? (laughs) (laughs) So the... The weird, it, without a Dan's video here, it's weird. I keep forgetting he's here when he hasn't said anything for a long time. <laughs> the, um, Jill's campaign has you, hey, there he is. The end of Jill's campaign is to, you know, to kind of go to the end a little bit, has her saving Chris and Barry, and there's nothing you see of Rebecca. But then Chris's campaign has him saving Jill and Rebecca, but you don't see Barry at all. And I think at the end of this, it's assumed Barry is dead if in the official canon because then at the end of resident evil 3 when he's piloting the helicopter jill's surprised that he's alive but obviously in jill's you never see rebecca and she's important to the canon especially since resident evil zero exists so it's this weird combination of of both plots but anyway she has barry helping her so like jill for example can get the um get the shotgun much earlier because if you go in the room where you take the shotgun off the wall makes the elevator uh, sorry, the roof go down to crush her. If you're Chris, you just die. If you're Jill and you haven't progressed past some other parts yet, Barry comes down, knocks down the door and makes a stupid comment about sandwich and you get the shotgun straight away. Whereas they Chris, cheered, you have to wait until... They changed the Jill sandwich comment in the remake, though, didn't they? Yeah, he says some kind of sandwich, doesn't he? But if you have... 
Chris, you just have to wait until much later, use one of your tiny keys to get in a room to get the broken shotgun to then take that over to the room uh, to change them to get it. That's what the broken shotgun's for. Yes. Because you exactly. can still find it as Jill and it does nothing. Yeah. Um, but there's little scenario changes as well as that kind of main story. So Jill's story has this thing of Barry helping her and then you end up finding Wesker, and who's the, the leader of stars, who's actually like an umbrella scientist and stars. stuff. He Stars. He... He tricks Barry into, well, he blackmails Barry into helping him because Umbrella has his family, Barry's family. Um, but for the, but for Chris, he has Rebecca helping him here and there, but she's not quite as helpful in my opinion. But there's little scenario change as well. So there is a, a the snake that Eric was on about earlier called Yawn, the giant snake. First time you en- uh, encounter any word of that, you come across a Bravo team member called Richard who's been bitten by it. And you have to go and get some serum for another room. Now, depending whether you do it quick enough or not will determine whether Richard survives. In Jill's scenario, if Richard survives, you when you go in to face Yawn the first time, when you don't have to kill Yawn, you can just go get the item and leave. Richard will come in, shoot it a few times, distract it, and you can then get the item and leave and also pick up his assault shotgun. If he dies, that doesn't happen. Um, but also, if he survives, when you go and face Plant 40 two no sorry ignore me i'm getting this wrong but when crit on chris's if richard survives he doesn't appear again until much later on with the sharks and he gets eaten by the sharks and that also affects chris being able to kill plant 42 easy or not because if richard doesn't survive when you go to face plant 42 later on it switches over to rebecca who does the v jolt which saves chris say that one more time which bit? With saving Richard and Plant 42. So if you say, if with Chris, if you save Richard, when mm-hmm. you go down into the lab, there, uh, the bit underneath the residence with the sharks, Richard is there and gets killed by the sharks and you get his shotgun, yes. yeah? Yep. If Richard doesn't survive, you don't get the shotgun, obviously. And then when you go and face that- Plant 42, Plant 42 will grab Chris and a cutscene will happen where Rebecca comes in and then you go back out as Rebecca and you have to create V-Jolt and you go and put it on the roots, which then saves Chris. I was trying to remember where you save Richard from. I couldn't remember. What part is that where you save him? Just before uh, Very early on. on in the mansion. I didn't hear either of you. Inside the mansion quite early on. You go, it's in the... So you go up the stairs in the main hall, take the door on the right, and then it's the first door on the right in that corridor that goes around in like a horseshoe shape. But what's happening to him? He's on the floor and has that huge bite mark. He gives you the radio. He's been poisoned. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you have to go get the serum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And depending okay, on how, how long right. you take will determine whether he survives yeah. or not. I, I died the first time and... Yeah. And then with Jill, with in terms of Plant 42 and V-Jolt, if you go and make V-Jolt, put it on the roots, go in to face Plant 42, Barry will come in and kill Plant 42 with a flamethrower. Wait... If you, when I did that and Richard didn't survive, oh no, I'm thinking of the time when Chris gets bit by Yawn and you have to go get the serum as Rebecca. With Rebecca, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, whereas when, if that happens to Jill, she just collapses and then Barry moves her. Uh, you don't have to do mm. anything. But if, um, yeah, when you're playing as Jill, you have the opportunity to skip Flunt 42 any, anything, anytime because if you make V-Jolt and then go into face plant 42. Barry will come and save. If you don't do V-Jolt, you have to face it yourself. And V-Jolt is this kind of mini side quest thing where you have to mix these chemicals together in this room, um, not far from it, and then get the exact uh, 
formula to create the thing and then go down and you find plant 42 which is this giant overgrown living plant um is down in the flooded area and it's getting its nutrients from the water and the chemical spill down there no i um, I feel like i I, got lucky when i got to that bit i was playing as jill um i totally didn't realize the whole v jolt side quest thing and just blundered into the room with plan 42 and then it locks you in there i thought right i'll i'll shoot a few times and see how we get on and i killed it so (laughs) i completely missed all of that bit what are these maps you've sent us eric i'm sorry what are these maps you've sent us Oh, okay. So click into that because I can show you exactly where I got what, stuck. The first link or second link? Click on the second link. The one with the, one with the big boobs to, two weeks ago or the other one before? Go that? down to Courtyard, uh, both of them. Go down to Courtyard B1. Courtyard maps. Okay, let's have a little look. Let's have a little look. There you go. So if you hover over these maps, you'll see in the bottom left corner the room that has the underground statue room. Okay. Hang on, hang on, hang on, because for some reason this is taking ages to load up. There we go. Right, okay, so what am I looking at? Courtyard B1. Yep, bottom left room where you see that little gray, I, the, the underground statue room with that gray item. Mm-hmm. Okay. <clears throat> the room before that has two healing items, both of which I picked up. That door to get into uh, the room with the, the gray item, you have to put the flamethrower down. To go back... On the other side, you have to put the flamethrower on that side. You just carry it around in a stupid little U-shape right there. That's it. Um, you can't go back. I got stuck in that room because I had a full inventory. Mm. Okay, And I good. just physically could not pick it up. So if you go further back, there's the spider room, then there's the passage room, and then um, the entrance passage is where the chest. item box was. Okay, so, so this, I kind this... of misunderstood what you meant. Is this so flamethrower a bit different for Chris? Because I'm sure the flamethrower was in the bit where Lisa Trevor was. There's for two flamethrower sections. Yeah, yeah, there's it, two is, it sections. is slightly different. Yeah, there's two flamethrowers on Chris's bit, and there's only one in Jill's, and it's a broken one. So actually, now that I look at this, is as soon as you come out of that entrance passage yep. into the Boulder Passage One, yep. that's where you pick up the flamethrower. Then you have to carry it through the Spider Room into the Straight Passage into the Boulder Passage Room to open the room to the Statue Room. Hang on, if you. Dan, on the drop down at the top, if you change it onto Chris normal, it'll show you the items that he has. Yeah, flamethrower is in Boulder Passage One. When you change it to Chris, it's not on Jill's. Um, yeah, but yeah, I kind so of you- I have misunderstood what you meant a little bit. I thought you meant you could get physically, as in game breaking, not get back out of that room. Now it's a, no, I'm saying if I had done this differently, yeah. I physically could have. I n- yes and no. Because yes, yes. So hear me out. Let's say I came in and I didn't pick up either of those healing items in the Boulder Passage. Okay, mm-hmm. so I'm chugging through. I've got a full inventory. I drop the flamethrower on the wall to open the door to the statue room. Now I have one open item slot. Okay, mm-hmm. I walk in and I pick up this item in here. I don't. I don't know what it's called, but I pick that up. Yep. Now I have a full inventory with no consumable. I- well. I guess I could burn all of my ammo mm-hmm. and, and get myself out. Yeah. So technically, no, but I mean, it, it's stupid that I had to burn a consumable just to get back out. Yeah, there was multiple times when I thought, man, it would be useful if I could just put this item down here for a bit and then come back and get it. See, I've never... You are an elite trained operative. Take that aerosol can and set it on the shelf. I I've, can't do I've it. Not- I got to spray it. <laughs> The only one of the mainline Resident Evil series I've not played is Resident Evil Zero. Apparently, you can do that. You can drop an item anywhere. 
God, that would have been great. Be, I was just like, even hoping there was just a discard option. Like, why do I need two survival knives? The reason why there's two survival knives is because um, the knife in the spider room is needed to progress. So they did it as like a thing to just make it easier for people. Yeah, but you could have just gone back to the safe that mm. was a room and a half back. Yeah, I get you. I mean, the funny thing was when you played the original Resident Evil, Jill's outfit had a fucking knife attached to it. Well, if you put the knife away, yeah. you don't have a knife. These uh, those spiders, man, were awful. Oh yeah, far too hairy. Didn't like them. I just got, went in with my grenade launcher with some incendiary grenades and put that thing away. I didn't struggle with any of the bosses in this game. No, no. no the last one in particular was piss easy. Well, the trick with the last yeah. one is you don't. Well, you don't have to shoot it anyway. But um, the trick is let the because I think Brad sh- throws the rocket launcher about 30 seconds left so if you just hang around in the room before going up there until there's like a minute or so left you don't have to avoid tyrant for too long okay which is what i did i just shot him with grenades until he went down and then he chucked a rocket launcher at me and i blasted him with that yeah no you 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 literally don't have to do anything to him at all you can just wait so correct me if i'm wrong the tyrant is like a prototype version of nemesis right well, Nemesis is a is a version of Tyrant. I suppose yeah. it's probably it, it's kind of the same thing as what you've said. This but. book that I got here called Resident Evil Archives explains it all. Let me pull it up here for you. Talk oh, amongst yourselves. On, no, uh, I was reading some stuff um, about the programming and everything of it. Um, apparently it was initially expected to only take 18 to 24 months it was in large part due to developers testing out the playstation for six months and hang on am i on the wrong fucking resident evil i am on the wrong fucking resident evil i was on the original that's good yeah, so this is a game to one, mate, together yeah. yeah i know i had both up to find some bits this is the bit i was talking about here we go um apparently the initial development that during the initial development they were concerned about making it for the gamecube because they were concerned that it was gonna require three discs to store the whole game Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> Did it come with two or was it one? Uh, I'm not sure on the original, but the team's focus was split between learning the ins and outs of GameCube programming and the engineering of computer graphic animation. Uh, to correct the issue, Mikami sought help from Nintendo programmers in teaching the engineers. Uh, the size of the team changed repeatedly because originally it only had four people. Um, yeah, it started with four people, but um, the pre-rendered backgrounds on it it was led by the art director, some called uh, Naoki Katakai. Um, apparently, it had to comply with a rule imposed by Mikami to focus on provoking fear rather than beauty and was accused of stubbornness due to slow realization of Mikami's intent. Um, Katakai's uh, aim was to be close as realistic as possible on the GameCube, but with the possibility of employing more observed designs if the realism made it boring. To the end of achieving realism, Katakai made sure the developers incorporated particle effects to give the impression of dust in the air, as well as a good distinction between qualities of light, such as bright light shining into an unlit room. This also led to objections from Mikami, who would demand redesigns if the amount of light or darkness did not fit his vision his vision for the feel of the room. Due to the stringent method of both Katakai's and Mikami's directing styles, the art design team was seriously concerned development would pass the deadline. <laughs> so it sounds like this game wasn't made without a few uh, heads butting. Yeah. I... Apparently the, yeah. Um... The lightning stuff is fantastic, though. Hmm. Yeah, okay, sure. so I've got your I've got your tyrant variations here, Mike. So it starts mm-hmm. off with the uh, proto tyrant that doesn't appear in this game. It appears in Resident Evil Zero, which takes 
prior to this. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's T001. Then the tyrant that we're fighting in this is T002, but there's the there's a couple different variations of it. There is the uh, super tyrant, and then there is the tyrant T1003, uh, which is created from the T002, has higher capacity for following orders, and was ordered in pursuit of the G-virus within Raccoon City. Then it goes on to the T-type, the which is your pursuers, and then you've got the G-forms for... Um, Resident Evil 2 from the G-Virus. And so. then you've got the T-1000 that travelled back from the future in search of John Connor as a child. I think that's wrong. Okay. <laughs> I got that reference. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Such a doofus, Mike. <laughs> Do you know uh, why Yawn the Snake was named Yawn? Because it's got a big mouth. That's actually <laughs> So it appears to be yawning as it swallows its prey hole and thus it's named yawn by the researchers. Okay. Have I just been bored? I would have just called it that big fecking snack. It's unique in that its width is inconsistent with its length and the venom it secretes through its sharp fangs requires an unusually powerful serum to counteract. If a victim isn't given prompt treatment, the venom will spread... Within minutes, the yawn does not have highly developed intelligence and is incapable of any physical movement beyond that of a normal snake. Thankfully, you know said serum is in a room downstairs, so that's okay. Did you, do you know why Plant 42 is called Plant 42? It's the 42nd it's plant. It's the 42nd one. Yeah, well done. I mean, I don't have any basis for that. I'm just guessing. <laughs> do, there, hold do you on. Know, I got that do, right do, here. Do you know why the, web, why the spiders are called web spinners? Because they spin webs. Yeah. <laughs> I have no basis for this, but I'm assuming so. Are the hunters <laughs> called hunters because they follow you? No, you because know? they hunt you. Do you know why Black Tiger is called Black Tiger? Because it's white. Is it, though? <laughs> no, it's black and red. <laughs> ah, Mike, I've got the answer for you. Do you know why Plant 42 is called Plant 42? Go on. Its name comes from the location of its discovery, Observation Point 42. Ah, that's a lot, that's a lot what, of observation What's the plan got to do with anything? <laughs> what's, the, uh, what's the plant part of it mean? Probably because it's a plant. <laughs> ah, okay. All right. Okay, cool. 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 That's just a cool, guess. Cool, I could cool, be wrong. Cool, it doesn't explicitly cool. outline where the first part of it comes from. <laughs> But I'm going to go ahead and say that it's probably because it is some sort of plant. Okay, okay, okay. Eric, okay. can you confirm or deny, is Jill Valentine related to Vincenzo Valentine? Hey, Vincenzo! <laughs> uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that maybe. They may be step-siblings. <laughs> you can see them on OnlyFans. <laughs> That's dark. Jesus, <laughs> oh, uh, I've got a little interrelationship map here, and I do not see Vincenzo on here. Oh, she is just Jill is listed as rear security. She likes to guard the rear. <laughs> Mike, what is all you've got? A woman with a big ass. God, Mike, you're just not taking the bait. Sorry, sorry everyone I'm busy reading some stuff 
Not about big asses. <laughs> Lies. <laughs> I, uh, hang on, loads of stuff got taken down from Pornhub this week. There's 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 less content there than there used to be. <laughs> and all right, it's tricky. It's, it's like difficult. Ten million less videos. <laughs> Uh, so one of the other big differences from this, uh, from the original, like the original had those really uh, fucking corny live action cutscenes at the beginning, uh, and they went for fully CGI ones. Thank fuck, because those things on the original are awful. Like they're campy uh, be f- and hilarious to look back on, but you can tell though on the PS5 version that the PS4 version, sorry, that they those cutscenes are so much lower quality than the actual rendered environments. Oh yeah, they are. For- they really are. <laughs> <laughs> which, is, which is rare because you're so used to a cutscene being better than the rendered environment. So yeah. it's so weird. Um, but one of the, So we mentioned earlier one of the newer enemies, and this is Lisa Trevor, who is kind of a boss battle, but not. And there's certain stages where she kind of stalks you. Um, I think her story... I don't know the complete ins and outs of her story, but I know that the basically she was the daughter of one of the scientists there and they used her for all their uh, experiments with the progenitor virus, which was the beginnings of the T-virus and stuff. And also, if you read some of her backlog, they put a parasite in her, which is supposed to be the last Plagueis from Resident Evil 4, um, which, you know, originated some of the virus and everything like that. And that's where she the gets progenitor the progenitor virus. For. Yeah, and that's where she gets the... Um, why she has the tentacles as well. But her story is really fucking sad because she was experimented on in the 60s and she's just mutated and mutated and is invincible and she can't... She's been looking for her mother and her father who are both dead. Um, and you get, like, these files that you read and you find some find one that's a photo that she's... With her really badly scrawled writing on such, saying, Mother, I'm trying to find you and everything like that. And there's one bit where they... She was obviously still a child and not mutated as much where... She said, oh, yeah, mother came. They let me go in to see mother, but it wasn't mother. She had a different face. Give me back mother's face. And oh, it's really fucking sad, the entire thing. She's just been left to live and never die and in this horrible mutated mess. Is there not something well, where she's grafted a mother's face onto a body or something? I'm sure. Yeah, because so that that's what happened. They they as she was going through this experimentation, they tried to trick her by bringing a different mother in. And she's like, well, it looks like her, but I know it's not her. And uh, she ended up taking her mother's face and wearing it to be closer to her. And that's why when you defeat her, she opens up the grave that you assume is her mother and she pulls out the skull and she's like, mother, and then jumps to her death. She should have jumped to her death a bit earlier, really, if she thought that. Well, she is the she's the daughter of Jessica, Jessica and George Trevor. Jessica died by experiment. Um George died by debility. Uh, he was, he basically played into, um, played into their trap. You find his grave along with his notes. Uh, he he stumbles into an area trying to get away, and he's like, "Oh, why is my name on this grave?" And then everything clicks for him. It wasn't very clever though, because there was a tiny switch on that grave that he could have pressed, and he could have escaped. <laughs> yeah, he ain't too smart. <laughs> Fucking scientists. Uh, dear. Yeah, I'm reading the bit about the uh, the parasite bit, which is uh, in 1978, William Birkin, the guy from Resi 2, um, 
he made considerable use of her abilities as the need for test subjects increased. In 1988, Trevor was selected to be a host of the NAA-type parasite. These parasites had been engineered by Umbrella Europe to replace the brain functions in a BOW to improve performance, but had low success rate. During the surgical implantation, Trevor's immune system attacked the organism and destroyed it, absorbing its DNA into her own. Not only was her consciousness restored with a degree of intelligence, but she grew tentacles on her back. When searching for an explanation, Birkin isolated a progenitor mutant strain entirely distinct from the T-virus she had previously been tested with. So I'm assuming that might go on to the G-virus then, like stuff for that. So, but yeah, her entire so thing's confusing. tragic. I, I like her as a character. I think she's very interesting. I don't think they did a lot with her. Like, you only really encounter her a few times, but... Yeah, I, I, I think it's a very interesting addition. It's a shame it wasn't in the original, but at the same time, it was nice to have this new. I think it was story intended to be. You're talking about. You're still talking about Lisa. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like obviously, it was yeah. intended to be in the original, but in some ways, I'm kind of glad it wasn't because when we got this remake, it added a new story and a new character, and an interesting one at that. Yeah. Well, her introduction. You're in that. You're in that shanty, and you walk through the door, and then she hits you, and suddenly you're now down by the fireplace, and she's on the other side of the room. Like if she wanted to kill you, oh, why not just kill you right then and there? <laughs> yeah, but all in all, I mean, the end of this is the, the they find out the Wesker's involved, and they end up destroying the mansion, and they get away in a helicopter. And there's three different endings for each character: whether you just saved yourself, well, whether you saved two characters, or saved one character. Wesker gets killed by tyrant hmm. and you discover what what game is it that you discover he actually got away code veronica okay and how did he get away because like he was impaled uh nano machine son <laughs> that's the wrong series <laughs> i don't know they double with parasites as well so it could all be interlinked yeah, yeah exactly timeline i don't know he, i went he did, through yeah, she came back from the future to uh shag his own mom to create his own son and I don't know insert another Terminator himself, he's his own here. dad <laughs> <laughs> but the T-Virus has already ravaged, uh, ravaged the city anyway and that's when Resident Evil 2 comes into it I went through a weird emotional swing with this kind of like Dan did where I was enjoying it at the beginning and then it got really frustrating because I was I was dying a lot like an unnecessary amount and then i finally hit my stride with it after i got to the mansion part two after i had saved and like now i'm down in the tunnels and the lab and things just really started clicking and i burned through it but yeah nine and a half hours took me to get through um that was kind of burning through so this is my this game and these early resident evil games are my absolute bread and butter when it comes to gaming and i i will always enjoy doing a playthrough of these Resident, early Resident Evil games, even if I fly through them or anything like that. Although, sidebar, the fucking trophy list on this thing is ridiculous. Yeah, like there's, there's so many. There's yeah. one for finishing it in three hours. I know this game pretty well. I couldn't fucking do it in three hours. Jesus Christ. I could do it you in three hours and it only took anything. me 20 minutes to finish. <laughs> or the, there's, there's actually one for playing through it with the invisible enemy mode as well. Jesus, no like, thanks. Yeah, no, no thank I, you all. Don't but... get me wrong, Mike. I, as I said before, I went through loads of different emotions with this. I really didn't like it when it first started, and then it all clicked together, and then I could I could figure out where I was going and stuff like that. And then by the end, I honestly quite enjoyed it. Yeah, see, Dan enjoyed yeah. the horror game. It's not scary, though. <laughs> no. 
<laughs> nah, it's not really. But no, I, I, I say this is my bread and butter game. I love these games. I always will enjoy these early Resident Evils. I can't say I would recommend this for everyone. I think a lot of people wouldn't get on with the old design, even though it is... I mean, fair enough, the, the remake's been out since 2002, but it is still based on an old-style game, the original Resident Evil. But I don't think a lot of people are going to gel with it. But I think if you if you have an opportunity to play this fairly cheaply, I mean, I think it was released on PS Plus on the PS4 ages ago, so you might already have it. Um, give it a go. Like, it's obtuse, it's weird, it's campy, but I, I love it. I've always loved these games. It's a high pick like for me. Throw, I would like to throw Zero on the list for some point mm. yes uh, that's one i've never played that is now the only well short of five and six the only proper original re what I've was zero played. released on gamecube um, there was the remake gamecube and resident evil 4 were originally gamecube exclusives i'd play that it's in the same it's in the same graphical style as the one we just played same engine i believe but yeah, no, I, I, hearty pip pip from me, but I would understand if somebody didn't like it, for sure. I'm not going far as a hearty pip pip, but a, a slight pip pip, I think. I'll give it a pip pip. Not quite the full pip, but the pip. I, I love how it. that's become um, the official rating skill of... <laughs> <laughs> it's your fault. Makes no fucking sense. <laughs> Should we go on to some questions? Oi. All right, you can find us at facebook.com slash group slash Factory Seal Podcast. Uh, we have some questions here. Let's get it open here. Uh, from Dalton Sutor, has replaying this made any of you more excited to play Resident Evil 8? I'm excited for Resident Evil 8 just because of how good Resident Evil 7 was. Ignoring the uh, like last third of Resident Evil 7 because I really want to play Resident Evil 7 again and then I think about the last third of it and I'm just like ah, I don't want to do that bit again which is a real shame I still need to just finish it I started playing through it and got about five hours in on VR and it mm. scared my knickers this, this is vague spoilers or vague spoilers but like you eventually eventually leave the house and go to another location and the entire game in that other location is, another house? is, is just dull as shit well, all right, you end up leaving the comp- the compound where the house and everything is, and you go to another completely different location, and at that point, the game really drops in quality for me. Oh. I'm too much of a pussy uh, to play it, so, yeah. Oh, no, seven is scary, I don't think down, I'll buy. <laughs> I don't think I'll buy RE8 right when it comes out, but I'll eventually play it. Hmm. Uh, Dalton also wants to know, also, Mary Fuck Kill, Oblivion, Morrowind, Skyrim. I'd kiss Skyrim, because that's the only one I've played. <laughs> little peck on the cheek oh. I would kill oh. Morrowind because I haven't played that I'd, what? I'd probably fuck Oblivion and I'd marry Skyrim ooh see I would go with this is going to be controversial you ready for this one I would marry Oblivion I would fuck Morrowind and kill Skyrim what you loved Skyrim I did but I got a little thing there for Oblivion and Morrowind. You have a little thing for Skyrim as well. <laughs> Basically, the long and short of it from this conversation is Eric's got a little thing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Shh. You guys said you wouldn't share that. It's on OnlyFans. <laughs> on, yes, well, only, now only people don't have prefer. to pay to find out and be disappointed. You're selling me short when you're wearing that mask, son. 
Uh, Matt Hallmark is the same release that we got on PS4. Yes, it is. Lee Smith. This was the first time I had ever played this game when I got my GameCube, as I hadn't played the original release. Any other games from that, from old, not necessarily horror, you would like to get given this remake treatment? I'd love to see the remake of Silent Hill. I think we've discussed this a few times. Silent Hill is up there for me, but I don't necessarily want a remake. I just want a new one. But I think... Don't get me wrong, we had Twin Snakes, but there's all those rumors of Bluepoint making a remake of the original Metal Gear Solid, and I want that so badly. So do I. Yeah. I mean, when this question has come up before, I've, <laughs> I said that I have been spoiled these past couple of years because Resident Evil 2 and 3 got a proper remake, and, you know, that's... And Final Fantasy VII has got a remake. Yeah, you know, that would have that would have been my answer. But <laughs> you know, we've been spoiled recently, so it's 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 a difficult question to answer these days. I'd lo- I still love remakes of Final Fantasy VIII and Nine as well. I'd quite happily take them. I would definitely say a remake of the original Silent Hill like this. But I mean, to kind of piggyback off of the original, the the first question here too, I would love to see a full, proper, from the ground up remake of the original Morrowind. Mm. I know that there are modders on PC that are doing something called Skywind, where they are taking the engine and mechanics of Skyrim and rebuilding Morrowind. But to see it officially done would be awesome, but that'd probably take 200 years knowing how fast Bethesda moves. I'd um, really like a remake of Chrono Trigger. The the problem is, Eric, Bethesda are carrying too much and cannot run. They are over-encumbered. They need to drop some of their IPs. Exactly. Hesley Hattie, two questions as usual. As the recent fiasco, which is Cyberpunk 2077, what do you think developers should do in the future to avoid overhyping something like this? I'm, I stand with I what Dan we, said. I, I'd like to see games just get announced and then fucking released. <laughs> I think it should be within like a six-month window. Yeah, that's what I mean. Because if you look at what happened with the Sega Saturn, they did that. They announced it and released it, and it tanked. And also be fucking upfront, man. Like being open and communicative, communicative, whatever the word is, with your fan base about what is happening. Will when you uh, fair enough, the shareholders are probably. I mean, I know a lot of it goes down to money and shareholders so, and stuff like that. But be open. Be tell people what's going on. If the game is not currently working right be fucking honest about it don't try and deceive people like i said one of the major issues with this whole cyberpunk thing isn't the game it's how it's been dealt with by cyberpunk and that initial that first week where they didn't say anything about consoles they purposely didn't give review codes for the consoles out and they said that it's running surprisingly well on consoles like don't fucking lie about that shit just be upfront and be honest People will be pissed off at first, but if you fix that game and get it out and it's right, you're gonna get a, win a lot of more, a lot more fans over. If Cyberpunk on consoles had been delayed again till April, yeah, people would have been pissed off. You know what? I think they would have been a lot pissed off, a lot less pissed off than they have been with how this been dealt, has been dealt with. I agree. It's like it's uh, like us, right? We know we're shit. We don't pretend to be anything else. Just be honest <laughs> with your fans. <laughs> Listen. You got 215 episodes of pure hot garbage ahead yeah. of you. And now we're going to do the most two of them. <laughs> Enjoy them. You get, us, you get us warts and all. We very rarely edit stuff out. It's only when we've said something too controversial or massive spoilers that we've edited stuff out. <laughs> <laughs> and trust me, I've said don't get period on it on this show and that didn't get edited out. So think about the stuff that does. <laughs> Dan trying to put uh, gay into the middle of a different word also did not get it. Yeah, that was a good one. 
all right. His other question. Last game of the year. Thank you for answering all of my questions. Is it possible to give the 2021 list of games that you plan to tackle? I have limited game time, and I can see. And if I can see the games in advance, I can pick up and choose which ones I want. <laughs> I wish we had a list uh, for the play. next year. <laughs> the only game we know so far is Mario Sunshine is going to be our first one in January. And then I believe February is going to be Baldur's Gate. Yeah, um, we've, we've kind of not got around to that because all this talk of the new show and everything like that, we kind of haven't got around to compiling because we weren't 100% sure what we were doing. But generally, we don't tell you guys anything too far in advance just because things change and we don't like to disappoint and stuff like that but with us doing less games this year i, I suppose we can be a little bit more open we probably go a few more months ahead than we normally do i guess yeah yeah we haven't fleshed anything i mean yeah. I we'll, we'll try a little, little behind the scenes fact for you for this year this year has been an absolute fucking shambles trying to get games on this list i think we spent <laughs> yeah. at least six months just changing it at the last minute I, we were supposed to play Wind Waker this year, and that never fucking happened. Well, now that we've got a month to play it, we should be able to get through it. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Maybe that should be our third game. Yeah. Sunshine, be. Baldur's Gate, Wind Waker. That sounds like a good, uh, good first three retro shows. Yeah. So, guys, that's going to do it for uh, Factory Sealed for 2020. Uh, next time we see you, we're going to be on a completely different show. Um, I hope everybody has a safe and Merry Christmas and that you get a ton of video games with holes in the middle of them. This episode of Factory Sealed is brought to you by our wonderful Patreon sponsors, with an extra special thank you to Zach Foley, Sarah Irvine, Santos Lopez, John Weaver, Drew Barlow, Peabody, Wes Rainey, Sholto, Phil Gartside, Nicholas Bradley, Thomas McGrew, Richard Cutris, Jordan Lawfrey, Jason McGill, Stephanie, Chad Schaefer, Miles Prower, Jeremy Lucas, Shannon McIntosh, Samuel Chun, and Elliot Hughes.